Welcome to Fire Breathing Kittens, an actual play podcast. Every episode is a complete adventure with a beginning and an end that fits into the overarching story of the whole season. Because they stand sturdily on their own, you can listen to these adventures in any order and can skip any you don't enjoy. Today, we are playing using the combat mechanics from a game called Trove Foundation. It's our first time playing Trove, so we might make some mistakes. If you enjoy these mechanics, you can find Trove on tumblediegames.itch.io slash Trove. Build your own Trove character and play a game with friends. Speaking of friends, today we are joined by Errol Corvidbow. Yes, hello. Uh, I am Errol Corvidbow. I am a four-foot-tall halfling. I am currently wearing a large, wide-brimmed hat with a long feather protruding from it. I have a burn scar on the right side of my face and an eye patch over my right eye. I'm wearing a puffy shirt with gold rings on my fingers and a pair of nice leather boots with no holes in them. Oh, nice leather boots with no holes in them. And I noticed the burn scar. All right, Rain Ilvaby. Hello, everyone. I am a five foot two uh, humanoid looking woman with uh, dirty ash blonde hair, uh, a scar on the left side of my face, like a scratch scar. Um, which is the cause of my blind eye on that side. Together with Errol, we're one person with two normal eyes. <laughs> um, since last episode, uh, Minimum Rager, um, Rain's horns have grown back. I kept calling them antlers last episode, but they're actually horns. <laughs> and uh, since that ripped up her, her headscarf, uh, her like furry... Wolf ears are out in the open now, so humanoid-ish looking. <laughs> yeah, with the wolf ears, and do the ears move? Oh, absolutely! Like the sometimes the the scarf like did things in like other episodes. That was her ears. <laughs> oh, it's so cute! And Jack Frost. Hi guys, I'm Jack. Uh, I am a very ordinary looking, completely human person, I swear. Um, <laughs> I am wearing black jeans, a gray hoodie, blue tennis shoes, and um, I do have very white hair, but I usually have my hood pulled up, so I'll just blend right into a crowd. Nice. You know, all those old myths and stuff, not copyright. You can play with them in your games, you guys. So, <laughs> consider We're it. doing like the Spider-Man meme, like totally human. <laughs> Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You're all, you're all totally, yeah. So, my totally human peeps, where did each of you fall asleep last night? Um, um, usually on the roof. Somewhere a bit more outside of town, I guess. Maybe this time next to the Histrocet, just for fun. <laughs> um, I believe with the amount of gold I've racked up over this time, I've probably rented myself a nice little place. So I'm I'm staying in my new place outside of the guild hall. Nice. So you're comfy in your bed. Rain is snuggled up next to the soft belly of the giant porcupine. <laughs> and Jack is looking at the stars before he closes his eyes. The next thing you know, Errol, you're a butterfly. You flap your wings. You alight from a flower pot hanging from a window. Flap, 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 you fly through the tall canyons between wooden walls. They're wooden cottages to a normal-sized person. What color butterfly are you, Errol? Hmm, I, I think 
purple with like a metallic silver kind of detail on the wings. Ooh, very pretty. The sun starts to set. You, as a butterfly, alight upon the branch of a bush and fold your wings, preparing to sleep. Jack, you're a lightning bug. As the sun approaches the horizon, you feel more energetic. How do you fly around this village? Um, I think cautiously. Jack is not used to being a bug, and he feels easily squished. So I think he's just going to zoom from one hiding spot to another, exploring the, the area. You zoom from one hiding spot to another, and then you see something beautiful. It's another lightning bug, shining as brightly as they can. What do you do? Um, I think I hide. You hide, and you admire the amazing glory of this bug that is glowing so brilliantly from your perspective, tiny as you are. It's like the sun, and then Uh it goes away. Oh, And then the ladies and the other lightning bugs are like, oh, okay. So you're hiding. That's cute. Rain, you're yourself and you're in the hill above the village. Down beneath you, the view shows the tranquil village you grew up in. Your best friend since childhood is walking in front of you. Blonde, tan, wearing lots of leather, hefty shoulder pauldrons, and a bunch of belts. She notices your pace has slowed, so she looks over her shoulder. Her orange eyes meet yours, and she grins. Dusk is the best time to hunt coyotes, I promise. What are you waiting for? Come on! She grabs your hand and drags you away from the village. Um, I stumble after her, kind of like, wait, what? Something's not right, but it's that, mm, it's nice though. Probably just a dream. I'll follow, like, you know. Jack, the night normally looks like vast darkness with lighthouses of light. But tonight, it's lit with alien beauty. So many large, orange, dancing, beautiful waves. Your lightning bug brain admires how the dull wood mountains around you, which you normally fly through the canyons of, are warm and welcoming. The wood mountains crackle and spit and hiss and are alive, cheerful, bright in a way you've never seen before. You are inherently drawn towards them. You're being drawn towards the beauty. The whole world is beautiful right now and warm. So we move. Yeah, where are you moving? Um, where am I drawn to the most? What's the most drawing direction right now? Uh, straight in front of you. The wood wall from earlier is mm-hmm. like orange and bright and moving and interesting. I move not directly towards it, but closer at a diagonal because I am afraid. Okay. You fly past it and you feel the warmth. Errol. Can I throw something at Oh, okay. <laughs> You're a firefly. <laughs> Errol, the bush you were in, hanging upside down from a twig, shakes as a person sprints by, running through the bush. I will investigate this disturbance and attempt to attack this individual. <laughs> That's my bush. <laughs> the attack butterfly climbs, flaps... Uh, investigates, 
A second large movement approaches, but this one is slower. It's two huge figures. You definitely can't take them is what you think to yourself in your attack butterfly brain. <laughs> These <laughs> two huge figures, a man and a woman in their 60s. The woman supports the man who limps. Shh. Hushes the supportive woman as the man dragging his leg whimpers. Um, does it look like they're headed in a particular direction? Yes. Away from the village. Do I see a commotion in the distance in the direction of the village? Yes. It is crackling, alive, cheerful, bright, orange, dancing, beautiful waves. Huge. Like a mountain. I guess I would continue to follow these two. You're following these two. I'm going to hitch a ride on the back of like their hair or something. <laughs> you land on the woman or the man? The woman. You land on the woman. And you hitch a ride out of town. Attack butterfly to stealth butterfly. <laughs> Rain, the memory comes flooding back to you now. You look down at the village again with both your eyes, anxiety rising. Your exquisitely sensitive dog ears hear a distant scream. Your nose smells the faint waft of blood and fire. Oh no. <laughs> well, I guess we hesitate for a moment and then we... Sprint? <laughs> Back? Sprinting! Yeah! Rain, you sprint to your village, even outpacing Sigrid. But by the time you get there, it's too late. The buildings are burnt. The villagers have scattered and fled. Except the villagers who didn't. As you dash towards the strong smell of blood, panting, your wolf ears hear the sawing sound as a hunter saws the horns off of a person you recognize. He had looked up from his work at you and at Sigrid, smiling, triumphant, and Sigrid had walked towards him. You remember how you had stood there, paralyzed in shock, the roaring of blood in your ears drowning out her calm chatter with him, up until she turned to you like you were an afterthought. Sigrid had said casually to the hunter, Oh, her? I've got this one. She had walked towards you, unsheathing her claws, and as you wake up, the searing hot pain in your eye fades, too, into memory. Where are you? Like, in, in the real world, or...? Yeah. <laughs> Probably still next to the Hystrosand? In the outskirts of town? <laughs> <laughs> Is this a normal night for you? Uh... Depends if Cameron is there or not. <laughs> but pretty much. Aww. She doesn't have a lot of money. <laughs> no, I mean, like, the dream. <laughs> oh. Uh, yes and no. Like, I feel like dreams like that used to happen a lot when she was traveling with Patiano still. But I feel like ever since joining the fire-breathing kittens, she, like, got her strength back. <laughs> And built confidence. So I feel like that maybe calmed a bit. And even now, um, waking up from this dream, she would have in the past been just extremely shaken for hours. Like maybe even the whole next day. And now she just kind of like touches the kitten tattoo on the side of her neck and kind of like takes some, some deep breaths. Um, maybe pets her emotional support, Hestrasid. <laughs> <laughs> and slowly calms down again and just uh 
what's the word? Like her her determination to to stand her ground um gets more. <laughs> yeah. And you remember that you recently connected with your parents again. And for the listeners, it's the episode Water Rising. They're alive. They're safe. They're hiding in the woods on the lower slopes of Mount Hokkaido, camping. They let you know that they're camping where there's a shagbark hickory, a sour gum, and a black cherry growing together. Yeah, let's hope they won't get into a deal anymore that might doom the entire world. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good morning, everybody. You all dreamed. Um, Errol will awake from his bed. He was so into this dream of being a butterfly that he's going to stretch his wings and attempt to fly out of his bed, but fall onto the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Jack is just happy to be back in his own body. He felt very vulnerable as a bug. Oh, yeah. You're like thousands of years old, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. Totally normal human. (laughs) I guess at this point, I would uh, head my way perhaps towards the guild hall to see what's happening. Oh, if people are stirring, I assume I can hear them. So I'd probably head downstairs, too. Um, I'd probably harvest some vegetables and then I'd probably have to document that (laughs) because Cameron and... You document when you harvest vegetables. Yeah. (laughs) Blood vegetables. Mm. He's like a horticulturist, alchemist, (coughs) vampire. Um, (laughs) So, and then I'd feed them to the histrocid for like the beginning of the day. And then we'll check if I need horse blood or if there's like convenient bandits on the streets or something. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta feed that histrocid. Gotta feed that Like, at this point, it's not even a hobby anymore. <laughs> What's going on in the guild hall? Errol? Um, yeah, I, I said I would head that way. Is there anything interesting happening there? Nusi the bartender is pouring drinks. There's a, a bunch of job flyers on the job board. And Rain will get there eventually, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, Rain arrives. Morning. <laughs> Oh, Rain. Good morning. It's been a while. Oh, yes, it has been. How how have you been? I had the strangest dream. What was your dream? (laughs) I was a butterfly, a beautiful butterfly. (laughs) However, there was some sort of terrible commotion, and I hitched a ride on uh, an elderly couple fleeing a village. Oh, my! I um, had a dream of... When my village was attacked when I was younger, and everyone also fled. I dreamed that I was a bug. I did a lot of fleeing, too. Guess we all had very fleeting dreams today. Was was the village on fire? Uh, yeah. That's... how terrible. Uh, well, I mean, it happened at this point. At least I know that my parents are alive, so... We'll see. Are they? Like, where? <laughs> Uh, Should we find they're them? They're camping. No, they're they're okay. They're hiding until we find more people, I guess. Okay. We all kind of scattered everywhere, and now it's like a find 100 pine cones. <laughs> and just you get keep a special them away from, reward. Just keep them away from talking trees. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> You're all in the Fire Breathing Kittens Guild Hall. 
You're hanging out. There's a bar, a sitting area with wooden tables and chairs, and a wall with a corkboard and job flyers posted. A man walks in. He's 30 years old, human, five foot nine. He has black hair, pale white skin, and hazel eyes. He's wearing a dark robe with leather pauldrons. Kalamon, what brings you here? Errol. Oh, wait, no, he whispers. Errol. <laughs> you ready for whisper voice? Errol. I had the craziest dream last night. What was it? I dreamed that in the future, the whole world ends. Everyone dies. What, what causes this calamity? Well, it's complicated. <laughs> Does it involve water? Yes, everyone dies of thirst. Is there a teapot? Yes, there's a teapot. Rain, I... I think we've encountered this scenario before. Yes, that does sound rather familiar. <laughs> he turns to you, Rain, and he says, Rain, I have some bad news about the future. There isn't one. Gasp. <laughs> What's wrong with the future? Everyone's dead. Oh, I'm sure we can stop that. That's why I'm here, because you can. He turns back to Errol, and he grabs both your shoulders, and he's like losing it because he didn't <laughs> sleep well. Errol, you know me. I'm the same Kalamon who, while out investigating a dragon cult, knew to find you on the bank of a creek bed with the right half of your body badly burned. Are you nodding or are you running away? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, yes, yes, uh, I, I distinctly remember that event, Kalamon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, divination magic is how I knew you were there. Divination is how I knew what to say at the Barrett Redding. You were there, yes? Yes, I was there. <laughs> Divination is how I knew the Atlas space station had fallen near Briar's Glen. Remember? Yes. <laughs> so I know you'll believe me, Errol. I do believe you. I think you might need a nap, though. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I wish I could sleep well. Please help me sleep well. What you have to do is, you need to go to Mount Hokkaido. All right, I'm taking notes. <laughs> I guess we're, we're meeting my parents sooner than I thought. <laughs> Uh, what Are we supposed to seek someone there, or is there something specific we need to do? Yes, you need to befriend Xavier Tinman. Make him your ally. Take him with you if you have to. If he has to become a temporary member of the Fire-Breathing Kittens until he likes you, that's fine. Just make sure he is your ally. Because if you don't, every person, animal, and plant in this world will die of thirst. And their name was Xavier Tinman? Yes. Is that with an X? X-A-V-I-E-R? Yes. Oh, also, you will need to get a gold bracelet before you meet Xavier, or else you will fail. A gold bracelet? Why a gold bracelet? I a special don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we need to get him or give him a gold bracelet? In the future where he doesn't have a gold bracelet on, the world ends. So you need to get one and make sure he has it on. <laughs> is, it, is it special? Did it have any, like, uh, engravings? Or similar things? Yes, he draws a bracelet. It's a bangle-style bracelet. It's some pretty good jewelry. <laughs> pretty. All right, noted. Befriend Xavier Tinman and give him a gold bracelet that he must wear <laughs> at Mount, Mount Hokkaido. Yes, otherwise he'll be part of destroying the world. But if he's your ally, he stops it from happening. But he doesn't want that. Well, I'm pretty good at making friends, so I think I can do this. It might take multiple episodes. 
<laughs> Your goal this time is just to get him. <laughs> All right. What do, you, uh, what do you guys think? Would you like to join me? Yeah, I'll help. Of I course. think the first thing we need to do is seal that bracelet. Do we know where it is? Um, I believe it just has to be a gold bangle bracelet. It doesn't have to be anything specific. Oh, it was a particular gold bangle bracelet. <laughs> yeah, you have a drawing of the exact bracelet. Do that we know? One. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I missed the part about the drawing. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. You were writing and I was talking. All right. Would anyone like any of that repeated? Because now is actually, I'll just repeat it for you. Go to Mount Hokkaido. Befriend yeah. Xavier Tin Man, um, which I'm the GM. I'm letting you know. It's not going to happen this episode. Um, like, that's a long, long plan. He's he not your friend. <laughs> uh, and then uh, you need a gold bracelet. And if these three things collide, the world doesn't end. <laughs> Good thing one of my skills is feats of strength. Maybe I can just pick him up. <laughs> also, I'm kind of, I kind of feel like it might be an anagram, but I don't have the brain power to do episode and on anagram and anagram if it really is what save your tin man it very yeah. well could be does the tin man not have a heart kalamon says i don't really know i did see him in my dream though okay um have any of us I, and i'm speaking to the group here have any of us ever met the tin man no. i have i have not before this is the first i'm hearing of this individual me as well Unless it is an alias. Hmm. I don't know. Do you guys want me to tell you? If we've met him? Yeah. Sure. Okay, yeah. The person who plays Jack has met Xavier Tin Man in a previous episode, but Jack has not. I met Xavier Tin Man? When? Yeah. I think it was the episode Thirsty Beach. And then the episode Monster Cave Oh, that's for been all. a long time. And then the episode The Tax Man Cometh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the player who played Jack doesn't remember a few seasons ago. <laughs> so anyway, there you go. There's some info from outside the game and in the game. Woo! What you doing? Oh, he was the arm wrestler robot. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will bring uh, Kalamon a refreshment, something without caffeine. <laughs> um perhaps perhaps a nice chamomile tea uh and i will hand it to him and i will say look you did great man but i think you should get some rest really try to get some rest we'll be on it i promise thank you my friend and he finally gets a good night's sleep <laughs> um before we go uh jack I, I i believe i've encountered you at the guild hall recently uh I just wanted to let you know before we step out, it you have a little small green thing on the just the edge of your nose there, hitching a ride. You might want to take care of that. Oh, Jack brushes at his nose. <laughs> better? Yes, much better. Oh, well, sorry about that. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> shall we? Yes. Off to Mount Hokkaido. Oh, well. Should we go straight to Mount Hokkaido, or should we try to source this bracelet Oh, that's first? right. You're absolutely right. Um, in fact, let me inspect this um, picture real quick. Is there any identifying or, like, any, like, marks on the inside that's, that I can see in this photo, or is it just a overall look of the, the bracelet? Yes, there is a specific design on the gold bangle bracelet that makes it unique. It's uh, like a... 
a raised and lowered pattern on the gold of it that makes a design. Could I, in my history of having a criminal background, would I have possibly encountered this in the past? Is this something I could make a focus for, or...? I want to say yes, and I'm thinking about how. Um, So let's dive into the trove mechanics. All right. Uh, The way that trove mechanics work, you can turn this into a challenge, and you can apply your focus to... So your challenge is you want more information. So I'm supposed to ask you your desired outcome and your method. What's your desired outcome? Um, My desired outcome is to get more information about where I might can receive one of these bracelets or, or buy one. More information. Yes. And your method is? Um, I'm trying to draw upon my background with criminal activities and stuff to see if I've encountered this type of uh, gold jewelry, because I imagine it might have changed hands once or twice. So your method is use brain? Yes. (laughs) Use brain. Okay. All right. I'm going to set the challenge difficulty as... Just normal, arduous. That's the middle. That means we'll subtract three from the d20 that you're going to roll. Go ahead and roll a d20. And then you're going to, you're saying you're applying your something. So first, what's the d20 number? Well, I also have investigation for a skill, which would give me a plus one if it applies. Investigation is like an active thing. So you'd have to like interact with the environment. It's not just remember a thing. Yeah, that would be like looking through the jewelry store. Yeah. Um, when you when you focus uh, a facet, does it have to apply to the current role, or is it just a d6 for the future? I would wait to focus your facet because it does apply to the current one. Okay. All right, so it'd just be a straight d20 roll then. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Unless you can apply a skill. Uh, you can go to the market and you can investigate to see if you see a similar bracelet at the market, and then you could add your investigation skill to this roll. Yeah, that would be something... But I'm trying to narrow it down a little. Like, if I recognize the marking, then I might know a specific place to go, if that makes sense. Okay. Whatever you want to do. What's your result? An eight. Not good. Oh, my. Okay, so it says uh, an eight or less. Either suffer menace of weight or two with a complication to succeed or fail with no complication. Uh, I would say just choose to fail because I don't, I don't know that, that I would menace myself over this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you think about it, and you don't remember anything, <laughs> and that's the trove mechanics, everybody. Ta da! <laughs> but um, it works better when you apply skills. All right. So you guys do not know any information about the bracelet. What do you do? So. I know already that Jack don't know Jack about jewelry. So I'm going to say let's go find a jeweler in town and show him the picture and see if he knows anything. I would have suggested the same, yeah. You do that. Describe it. Okay. So um, who's most familiar with this town? Because not Jack. I mean, in terms of jewelry, uh, Cameron does like jewelry and Ryan is... Very happy about giving people gifts, so she okay. might have so just gone to the jeweler. <laughs> a you've bunch lived of here time. before. I assume that in a city, most people know where the jewelry shops are. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite? Probably where the people are the nicest. <laughs> mm, the Maybe also where place. there's some like 
it maybe like a joint shop like jewelry and like maybe magical artifacts because i guess turning jewelry into magical artifacts is easy <laughs> easier is, than other things is this a challenge that rain needs to pass to remember her favorite jewelry shop or can she just go there <laughs> she can just go to her favorite jewelry shop let's follow rain to this small family-owned jewelry shop where they do a little magic Oh, the door opens and they immediately recognize one of their top customers. <laughs> Adventurers are typically fairly wealthy. Yeah, especially those, especially those who spend their money on anything but staying at an inn. <coughs> Rain. Um, uh, I guess she'd like open the door and it would do like a bell jingle because if it's a small family-owned shop, I guess that's yeah. they have one of those. And she'd just be like... Um, uh, good morning. It's me again. <laughs> you are greeted by a old woman. Old woman. And she and um, her employees, you know, whatever, they recognize you. They go, Rain, welcome. She gets up. You know, it's a small store. So she, she stands up and she walks towards you past the jewelry you know like it's obviously like a raised box with like lighting in it you know in a glass and she like reaches out and she greets you and she does that like arm clasp that's a little familiar you know yeah welcome rain and she guides you oh you brought friends uh yes we're um we're looking for a particular um piece of jewelry for a quest, I suppose. And I was wondering if you might be able to help us. What does it look like? She would... We s slap down the picture. <laughs> <laughs> like, super dramatically, like... Boop. All right. Because you have used your background to make this easier, this is someone you know, someone who wants to help you, you've purchased from her shop before, I'm going to set the challenge difficulty to this to easier than last time. Instead of being arduous, which was middle of the road, it's going to be only daunting. So I'm only going to roll, um, subtract two from your d20. Are you able to apply any skills to this? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Can I help her? I could give her a very firm handshake with feats of strength, but I don't think... <laughs> I don't think that helps. <laughs> One of mine is cute. Uh, okay. All right. If you do it, you roll. I can roll. Okay. So first I need to roll a d20. Yeah. And then subtract two from it. 19. So 17. Okay. And, and then my character sheet, cute, I believe is a plus. Yes, it is a plus one. So 18. That means that. Because you got a greater than 16, you can choose to spend one of your six trove to add an advantage to the table, which will give you more dice later, if you're interested. Hmm. It'll I'm not sure I need to spend a trove just yet for this one. Okay, now the whole party... Sh are you saying I should? You should use the mechanics of the game. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <They're there. laughs> I will mark down in here that I am going to use a trove. Right, you have five trove left. Now, how do you get trove back? Anytime you can invoke a facet or menace that your character received in the past. So how you can help your party members is you can remind them that their menace applies to this, you know, or their facet applies to this, and they can add more trove. And then you can get so many dice, you guys, so many dice. And you can succeed every time. So what uh, Jack's player just did 
is you added a dice for the future for one of your friends. So you did help them. Good job. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you succeed. The success. um, Go ahead and ask your question. Oh, so Jack shuffles his feet and walks up and says, and just shyly hands her the paper and says, yeah, it's this one. I just, I just hoped you could help. Well, aren't you cute? Oh, she looks at it very closely because she wants to help you. And she says, why, this is a magical bracelet that is easy to imbue. You see, I like to imbue jewelry with magic, as Rain might have told you. This one would be particularly easy to imbue. The the design on it might even be a spell. Well, she did tell me all about how much of an expert you are on the topic. Do you have any idea where I could find one? This is a -a one-of-a-kind item. It was specially crafted by somebody. These are ancient writings on it. It must be by someone who lived a long time ago. Hmm. Do you Have you seen it before? Any Anyone I might know? Jack, you've seen it before. Have I? Yeah, you recognize your sister's writing. Oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I revealed to the group, I think she just reminded me. This looks a lot like my sister's work. Uh, what's your sister's name? Frida. Your ancient sister's handwriting. Okay. Oh, did, yeah, sure. did you Let's guys go. not know about this before? <laughs> you you sound kind of dejected. I don't think I've heard well of, about your sister. It's just that she's very perfect. You'll see when you meet her. Everything she does is by the book. Including even her jewelry, apparently. <laughs> Well, this one is quite creative. It's it's similar to that, but do you see this here? And it's got some flourishes on it and some mistakes. Whoa. <laughs> oh, Jack is now very interested. Tell me about these mistakes. <laughs> There's one here and one there. There's two two mistakes. What are they supposed to look like? She draws it like this. Oh. Oh. You see the letter? The letter A. You need a hook on the top. If you just do a loop, it's lazy. <laughs> mm. Does that affect the spell at all? No, it's still the letter A, but it's not as pretty. <laughs> oh, oh, interesting. I'll just... Do you mind if I take this paper with me, too? Of course. I'm just going to save that for later. Um, Rain would see if there's any cute, like, earrings she could buy as kind of like a thank you. <laughs> Yeah, you're wearing brand new earrings. All right, and you guys leave the store. Describe the earrings that you bought. Um, oh, I have an idea. Uh, I would say gold with a particular stone in the middle. Maybe something that looks a little bit like a moon or something. And, uh, she's going to wear one on her left ear and she's going to keep the other one. In her pocket or in the thing for now. <laughs> so, Jack, this sister of yours, is this something she'd be willing to part with if you were to ask her? You know, it depends on how much she likes it, honestly. She's very self-serving. I mean, if perhaps if you um, show her those mistakes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> she might I- want to get rid of it. <laughs> I will say it's probably one of her earlier works. Gold isn't really her color metal. Um, if anything, she probably made it for our mother. Gold is much more her speed. 
My sister is all silver and platinum. Well, since we know the maker, I suppose, do you think we could visit her and ask her about it? Yes, we just have to find her. She normally travels around with the, um, the Eldritch College. She's usually exploring different kind of difficulties and um, chaos in the world and trying to set everything back to order. She'll have a field day with the blues ooze. Deep ooze. <laughs> with the what? Um, re remember that prediction with, like, water is going to kill everything because no one can drink the water because everyone's thirsty. We're all going to die of thirst. There's a guild yeah. that's actively trying to do that. I bet that's ooze. where... I bet that's where we could find her. She's probably already working against that. Do we know I where mean, they are? I don't really know, like, where they are. We just... From what I've heard from other people is that they've just met members that used to be, like, ex-members of the guild who, like, slowly revealed to them about the charming Chabin? Charm... Charm... The teapot. <laughs> yes, it's the charming Chabin. Can we find one of these members? Maybe we could follow them back? They're pretty scattered about, um, so, but my guess is that on our quest, we're probably going to bump into them. I don't think that we, it'd be hard to, like, specifically isolate one on purpose. They seem to just be in bad places. Also, hmm. aren't 80% dead? <laughs> At least of the people we know. <laughs> well, we could try to go to somewhere bad and be inconspicuous. Um, this, this Eldritch College you were speaking of, is it, like natural disasters that they go after to investigate or uh typically more villains hmm. they're all about justice and keeping the natural order in the world and they go after anyone who uses their power to upset that sort of vigilante justice well we we investigated the bracelet perhaps our next step is to visit mount hokkaido because that was the other clue we were true given. yeah we could do that um, if if y'all are in agreement and don't have any disagreement with it, I say that's where we go. Yeah, perhaps right. my parents encountered them since they're camping there. We could find out. Well, let's go there. How do you get there? How far away is it? Um, it would take you more than a month to walk there. That's mm. so good. <laughs> train. Let's get on the train. Okay, everybody okay. pay a gold. Okay. Okay. All right, you're on the train. The train is a box of people that travel at high speed, right? It's not a real-world train, right? But, I mean, if you can levitate things, why use wheels? So, um, but it's a train. It's more like a mag train, actually. Yeah, it is like a real-world train. Yeah, it's a bullet train. So, you guys get to the base of Mount Hokkaido within two hours. Okay. Rain's a little nauseous. <laughs> Jack was riding on top of the train. <laughs> holding on like cheeks flapping in the wind <laughs> yeah i mean i mean his form is really optional to begin with the rules of physics are interesting around him nice <laughs> the scenery changes from a coastal city called nikimoy that sloped downward towards a beach in the ocean through the plains and the farmlands approaching the mountains You've gone uphill quite a lot. There are a lot more trees here, and then way off in the distance, there's snowy mountain peaks. I would that look looks for, like... I would look for three particular trees. 
that look a little odd together, actually, color-wise. Mount Hokkaido is one of the tall mountain peaks in the range between Nikimoi and Jishope. It varies from rolling hills at its base to steep forested mountains to, above the treeline, vast icy glaciers that remain snowed all year. Where would you like to go? Did they say base of the mountain or just camping at the mountain? Man, you wish they had been more specific. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, I'm going to guess the rolling hills. Can I turn into a bird and check from above if I see these very differently colored trees standing together? It's a challenge. Yay. Right. So go ahead. I'm going to set this challenge. I've got the number. It's a six difficulty that we're going to subtract from your d20. So Oof. go ahead and tell me what you roll and what you apply to um, it. I would like... Can I actually roll like two skills? Because I have shapeshifting, which I would use for the bird and flora and fauna. Skills can be used to reduce challenge difficulty. Can I, I use two at the same time? <laughs> yeah. If you describe the trees that you're looking for. Okay. Um, I'm looking for a black cherry, which is, I guess, green dappled with little spots. For the cherries, depending on what season we're in. <laughs> it's late summer. Uh, yeah, then they should be rather noticeable. So, like, green with black dots. Then we're looking for uh, the specific hickory. <laughs> Sh Shagbark hickory is what I wrote. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one was white, if I remember correctly. Pretty much. Yeah. Also, it's, like, spiky. Because the bark is kind of, like... Like shaggy dog's fur. And then we had the sour gum, which is which is what like stands out the most because it's just red and orange. So I'm looking for these three combinations very close together. So I guess I'll start with the orange, because I guess that's what would be there at least, and then like look for the other two. Alright, what's your role? Go ahead and add your two skills to it. Um, shapeshifting is a master rank, which is a three, and flora and fauna is proficient, which is a one. So I guess together that would be four. And I can do basic math. Uh, and that's a 15. Minus six? Uh, that's a nine. That's not good. Okay, with your additions? My additions were already in there. <laughs> oh, okay. So a nine to a 15. Something unexpected happens. This is success with a complication. You can also choose to spend one trove to add an advantage to the table if you would like. Yeah, I will do that. The more we have, the better. All right, and uh, I need one of the players to keep track of how much advantage there is. Who wants to do that? I can I've, do that. I've been marking it. Everyone oh, does it. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Something unexpected happens. That means that you guys describe your friends. You guys, where are you? <laughs> um... I am probably, I was probably going to, like, turn into, like, a gust of icy wind and go with her and explore. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh. All right, Errol, where are you all alone at? <laughs> um, I guess uh, seeing all this go down, it's uh, me and I have Drake with me, and I've gotten Drake on the ground, and I'm like, see if you can sniff him out, Drake. And he's, like, sniffing the ground. So it's man with his duck. <laughs> walking through the woods making sounds because duck makes sounds in fact i think that's how you found drake right yes drake is making sounds <laughs> and 
and something unexpected happens. So that means that as you guys are off exploring, you succeed. You do see the trees. They're way up on the mountain peak on a cliff's edge. They're so extra. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's not here. But the, you do see them. That's the only place where all three are together. And Errol, a branch, cracks. It's on the ground and it snaps as something steps on it. Where is the source of the sound? Do I see anything? You look around. You look behind you. Now, I'm going to ask you what your desired outcome is and what your method is. This is a challenge. I guess I would have been looking for a trail that like something, uh, perhaps someone who has recently passed through here and just following it to see if it leads to someone I might recognize since I've encountered her parents before. And I'm the only one that can't fly off somewhere. <laughs> so. Um, and my method would be, uh, I, yeah, I'm just like looking all around and using my eyes and my senses to try and find a trail. Okay. You can apply investigation to this. Okay, cool. And, uh, how you can help your fellow players is to remind them when they can invoke their past menaces and their facets to add trove to their trove. Cause their trove helps you cause you get advantages on the table and you can use those advantages as boons which is when you add a d6 to your roll. So you're trying to find Rain's parents. Now we all know those parents are up, 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 up on the cliff edge. Um, so go ahead and roll. And this is going to be a monumental task. So subtract five from your roll. What's your result with uh, your um, investigation added? Well, in this case, since I have a burn injury and I'm missing my right eye, could I invoke my menace <laughs> to make it so it's more difficult since... I've already got a minus five. Yes. Okay. Add a trove to your pool. Cool. And you know, you can, you, you added some trove, you know, you can use one of the advantages as a boon if you want. It's always up to you. Um, sure. Let's, well, do you get to decide after the roll is made or do you have to, it doesn't, I don't think it says specifically, but I thought I'd ask you, I think there is a timeline on one of the pages. Advantages can be spent by any player during a challenge or threat. So, yeah, you can spend it. No, I was meaning, like, do I have to see the roll result first? No, no, first? no, you can spend it any time. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I'll roll. It's So right now it's a negative six. Uh, plus one for investigation, so a negative five. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I still got an 18. So 13. So, yeah, I definitely will spend an advantage. Well, let's see the results. Let me look at the results first. So nine to 15 is unexpected. So if I roll three or higher, I can get into a much better... Yeah, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to spend one and see if I can get higher, a better result. All right, everyone note that one advantage is off the table. Ugh, He's it was spending it as a, ba- a boon. Boon. And the advantage is the thing that I got with the, the jewelry lady. Mm-hmm. Gone. Okay. Well, there were two. Yeah, we're down to one right now. Um, I only rolled a one, so the result was 14. Still still not terrible. Eh, and, okay. I'll, and I'll spend that trove that I just got to go ahead and bring us back to two advantage. All right. That means you can fail to not have a complication, or you can succeed with a complication. What do you choose? I guess I'll succeed with a complication. All right. You succeed in looking around. And being observant is what I'm going to say that you were trying to do. Because we all know her parents are on the cliffside. And you see something looking at you. 
It looks kind of like an orangutan, right? Start your base description there. It's humanoid. It's got fur. It's The fur is white, though. And um. it's got, like, black skin and white fur. It's kind of pretty, or it would be pretty, if it wasn't looking at you with what can only be described as very hostile intentions. And the branch that snapped was under this thing's feet because it is actively approaching you. Is it... um? Is it quite large in, in regards to my size? Yeah. And I'm going to give you a, what is this called? Boon? Yeah. I think I can do this. Is I can give you a boon for the next interaction that you have with this creature because you saw it first. It didn't get the drop on you. Okay. You succeeded. Yay. So now <laughs> you have a D6 on your next roll with this thing because we are in a combat situation. You two have left your friend alone in the middle of the woods <laughs> with a quacking duck. Are we far enough away that we can't help? You said you're the wind, so how's the wind doing? Um, <laughs> the, uh, wind is doing fine. This is very normal for Jack. Were you keeping an eye on your friend? Probably not. <laughs> okay, well, if at any point you want to come help, you can. Because we've got what can only be described as an abominable snowman. At the bottom? At the bottom, which is very All right. it's a clue. <laughs> Coming for our friend Errol. Errol, it's running at you, and it does not look happy. In fact, one could say it woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning, like several people in this episode. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would like to add that the moment that Rain spotted the trees, she would have turned around. So she yeah. might be on her way back. Rain's on the way. But before <laughs> that, like a good two, three rounds of combat before mm. you guys get there. All right, let's do this fast. Come on. Exciting okay, so combat. Would I be able to go ahead and make an action right now as it's headed towards me? Yes, because you were observant. You you heard the branch snapping. You reacted. Yes. Go ahead and describe your desired outcome and your method. Um, so I have an asset uh, called Duck Faint where <laughs> Drake attempts to distract a foe to give me an opening and reducing the difficulty by one. Uh, so I would tell Drake, sick him. And... Drake would flap his wings and try to just get up in the face to, like, blind the creature. And then I would uh, pull my rapier and try and attack. Okay. So, uh, is this going to add one to your roll, then? Yeah, uh, it would reduce the difficulty by one, is what I wrote. Okay. Yeah, that's like a skill. So, my question is, what is your desired outcome? Uh, I'm trying to drive this thing away. I'm not necessarily interested in killing it, but... You know, because this is a unique creature. There's no telling it if it's like endangered. I'm not going. I'm not interested in eradicating a species, but I don't want it to kill me. So uh, I want to do enough damage to try and drive it away from me with my rapier. Got it. You're doing a non-lethal blow to this, which I will just let you know. Unfortunately, not an endangered species at all. You hear about yeti attacks all the time. <laughs> Uh, and they're often fatal. Um, so it's sort of like, there's lots of them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. All right. That is a good goal. But when fighting a grizzly bear or something of that ilk, much stronger than you, much taller than you, if an orangutan ever comes at you for, in real life, you guys, you're, you're kind of screwed. Um, so I'm going to give you a monumental difficulty to this role. What's the outcome? Um, sorry. I get a plus three for swordsmanship and I got... I'll, I will add that boon you gave me as well. So I'm going to roll that. So I got a 16 plus 3 is 19. Plus 4 is 23. And then minus 
Six minus five. So what was that? 13. Sorry, my math brain just broke. What's the number? It was 16 plus four is 20 plus three is 23. Minus five is 18. Okay. Yes, 18. So that's pretty good. Okay. You succeed in injuring it. I'm going to say that um, it's closer to being driven away. If this continues to be your goal, that could be the outcome of this combat. But um, so success. You can choose to spend one trove to add an advantage to the table. Uh, yes, I will do that. Okay. So we're at three. And that's that's all I got right now. And now I'm going to go with my turn. So this game's a little bit, um, how do you describe this? There are plenty of examples. <laughs> it's a 105-page, 106-page rule book. Um, and I've made myself a little cheat sheet where I summarized all the mechanics on two pages. And I wasn't exactly sure how monster attacks on a player work. So if I do this wrong, don't come for me. Just get the rule book yourself and read it and play it and enjoy it. But how I think it works is that the narrator narrator will roll anywhere from 1 to 5 DT to generate T threat. Depending on the severity of the danger faced, threat die is a D6. So because this is a very dangerous creature that is kind of ambushing you, I'm going to say that this is a 5 D threat. So I will roll... It's a very dangerous creature, and he's all alone, and his duck is there to help him, but that's about it. So here comes the threat roll. It's going to be 5d6. I'm going to roll this. Okay, now one of them is a 6, which means it explodes. Okay, so 4. If you roll 1 to 4, it's only 1 damage. So there's 4 menace. And then that's (laughs) 8 Total menace. Okay, so, um, Errol, you're immediately very injured. What happened was, so if you take any more menace weight, you will uh, retire as a character. You will uh, go seek treatment for your injuries, um, just rest or die. So (laughs) you are immediately, what happened was, this thing ran at you. You stabbed it in the arm, and it... How do orangutans hurt people? They like rip their faces off. Like rip and tear. Yeah, it is ripped there and no, tear you. Yeah. Is there no reducing threat? Like with Oh yes, style? that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Reduce threat. You can apply a skill which reduces the threat total by the skills bonus. You can use an advantage as a shield. It's a good thing they're on the table. Or you can spend spend one trove to acquire one defense die. I recommend you do some of that, otherwise you'll immediately go up to nine menace weight. Right. I was reading reading about that. Thank you, so you can do all three. Okay, do you have any skills that you can apply that can reduce the threat total by the skills bonus? Any defensive skills? I don't have a specifically defensive one. Swordsmanship was mostly offense. Okay, do you have an advantage that you can use as a shield? You can add one defense die per shield. Yeah, I was thinking one advantage for a defense die and then spend one trove. Do defense dies, does trove work the same? Yeah, two. Yeah, you can add... One from my trove and one from my advantage. That way I'm not taking too much advantage from the group. I mean, you could you could argue that, you know, in sword play you do a lot of, like, predicting what your enemy does. And you do actually, you don't just stab. You do a lot of, like, Footwork. how do I get stabbed at? So maybe you could use it in a way that you, like, try to move away from yeah. the If you're the if, if, you, if that's acceptable for you, GM, I will... Add three. Use your swordsmanship, and you're saying two defense die? 
Yes, one from Trove and one from Assets. Okay, what's your remaining Trove? Four. And what's your remaining Advantage die on the table? Two. All right. What are the results of the two dice? And I'll teach you how to interpret the, D- the DT table. I got a seven. No, what are the two dice? Two. I rolled... The two D6s. What are the two dice? A five and a two. A five and a two. A five has a value of two, and a one to four has a value of one. So that's a value of three. You've reduced the oncoming menace from eight down to five. Oh, are you wow. sure you don't want to use the other two advantages on the table to really not die? <laughs> Yeah, I'll roll one. Them. I'll roll one more. I'm a, I can take a little bit of damage. Okay, so there's only one advantage left on the table, you guys, and now you see how powerful this advantages are. And I, I thank you, Jack, for putting that one on the table earlier. The second die was, was a five. That's another third, reduction third by nine. two, so you only take three menace. Okay. So go ahead and add on your sheet three menace, and it can be from the source. Describe how you want it. It could be wild animal attack. It could be from chest injury arm injury, whatever you want, because you can invoke this menace in the future, like how you invoked your burn on your face to add trove. So how did you describe that menace of a weight of three? Just to add a little bit of flavor, since I already have like a physical injury menace, maybe I'm shaken by this attack. Like it has shaken me emotionally and because I've, I've been isolated. I was expecting to have backup and there was no one around. And so now I'm completely vulnerable to this creature tearing me apart yeah yeah but we're gonna say it's halfway to running away because of your successful strike on it earlier and your friends arrive hi friends i have a plan (laughs) me too (laughs) you can go first have you guys heard of a harpy eagle before yes they're pretty big and they're kind of strong and they can lift up to 40 pounds and i was planning to just Spoop. <laughs> and grab Errol. Errol grabs Drag. And we're gone. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you weigh, Errol? Uh, I don't remember the exact amount, but I think a halfling is around 50 pounds or something like that, give or take. Hold on, that's not right. Is it? Remind me, Rain, can you turn into any bird? Yes. Have you ever heard of a rock? R-O-C. I've heard of Dwayne the Rock. <laughs> no, rock... I mean, this is a fantasy I mean, game. Rocks a, are fantasy birds rock. the size of a house. They can carry off elephants. You go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, and there's a... The, the mining company has a bird, like a transport bird that, like, transported, like, four people. That was called Dwayne. So, like, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Let's, um... Let's rock it up. I think it would be amusing <laughs> if like world. Drake is like trying to tug at me with his little tiny wings flapping, trying to pull me away. And then all of a sudden, uh, Rain in this giant eagle form pulls me up. And Drake's just looking proud like he did something. Hell yeah. She's not, she's not going to tell him she did it. She's going to be like, well, it was half half. <laughs> all right. Because you have become a very large bird. The challenge difficulty for this is only arduous. It's totally middle. Go ahead and roll. What is your result? Can I use shapeshifting and feats of strength again? Yes. Oh, that looks good. I rolled a 16 plus 21 with the skills. Minus 3 is? 19 
on a greater than 16d20 roll. Success! You have the option of spending one trove to adding an advantage to the table. Hell yeah. We don't want to die. All right, how many advantages does the party have now? Two, I think. Excellent! Describe what happens. Considering I included shapeshifting, uh, I guess for scouting she was kind of like a crow or something. And in the middle of this dive, she turns into this, like, giant bird and just, like, nose dives, grabs arrow with the talons, and then just, like, soars back up. Maybe does, like, a, like, a, showing her tongue to the, to the yeti, like, (laughs) (laughs) mine. And I haven't fully, I haven't fully grasped that this is rain yet, and I'm just, (laughs) I'm just openly crying and... (laughs) (laughs) Rain can't talk in this form either. She can only talk as a wolf, so. <laughs> Yeti, Yeti's an eagle, so oh my. <laughs> I mean, she could, like, look down, and you, like, you might recognize her face scar on her eye. She, I mean, there's nothing to fly into in the sky. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure once you got me to altitude and I noticed that your ter- talons weren't ripping me apart, I'd probably be like, oh, wait, Rain can shapeshift. <laughs> And then eventually a breeze joins you. And where are you guys heading? I guess the cliffside? To the cliffside. You find the place where a shagbark hickory, a sour gum, and a black cherry are growing together right up on that rock face. They only hardly fit between the rock wall and a deep ravine. So it's like cliff, three trees, continues cliff. (laughs) My parents are so extra. (laughs) (laughs) In a druid kind of way. (laughs) Rain, as you approach, a green sparkly light swirls up from the ground, spiraling around the three trees. They change shape, space out, and you realize that they're actually about a hundred feet from the rock wall. There is more space here than it looked like from the outside. The newly visible space has a tent, a cook fire, and, sitting on two rocks, a man and woman in their 60s. Um, Rain would carefully set her friends down. Not close to the cliffside, but, like, where it's safer. And try to not helicopter wing the tent away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, like, set down and turn back into her humanoid form, I guess. And I guess before greeting her parents, she would turn around to Errol and be like, Are you all right? Is everything okay? It came out of nowhere. <laughs> there was such fierceness in its eyes. I'm sorry. From now on, we'll stay together. And Should we say hi to your family? I suppose so. She'd give Errol like a supportive pat on the shoulder. <laughs> and... I guess maybe, like, try and move him a bit to the fire to sit down and be like, it's okay. <laughs> Take a moment to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have any herbs that might calm me? Oh, she probably does. Should I roll on that, or is it just in her herb bag? The mechanic is called Removing Menace. Player narrates how the menace is reduced during downtime. Each attempt to reduce the weight of a menace reduces it by once, like this... Part of the story will result in Errol's menace being reduced by one. And then if a menace weight is reduced to zero, it is eliminated. So describe how you're helping Errol reduce that menace. And Errol, what's that new number after you've reduced it by one? 
Uh, it would be two after reduced. Excellent. So go ahead and describe that. Um, I guess Rain would be like, uh, yeah, just stay sitting for a while. I'll be right back with like some chamomile and some Baldrian and other stuff. <laughs> and Jack maybe looks should... sheepish and says, "Oh, those!" And he puts the baggie back in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe she's like quickly go to her parents and be like, "Yeah, hi, do." A bit later, do you have something calming? Do you have, like, some chamomile or some stuff? And then they'd maybe use the um, cooking fire to make some tea. Maybe they have some things that you can chew and you can calm down. And then she'd, uh, I guess, sit down next to Errol, hand him Drake as, like, a emotional support. You know, like, when you pet, like, a therapy animal, you get, like, better. And give him, like, the tea and be like, it's all right, nothing's going to happen. Um, we'll stay together now. Um, if there's anything else like that, we'll, we'll kick its butt together. Thank you, Rain. I, I, I'm feeling much better. That's good. Again, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll stay together now. It, it happens. It's part of the job. <laughs> Rain's dad introduces himself as Arn and mom as Linnea. This is... Linnea Ilvaby and Arn Ilvaby. And Arn is, has a bunch of little satchels hanging off of his clothing with herb this and herb that. And he and his daughter make you just the best cup of tea. And it really Rain. soothes you deep inside. <laughs> Rain might have just gone through the pockets like without like, yeah, just I'll, I'll handle it. <laughs> <laughs> the second one from above. <laughs> what are you up to, Jack? I don't think I'm doing anything yet. This is, seems like not my... I'm, I'm waiting for something to happen with these parents. I'm standing <laughs> awkwardly. You recognize them. Do I? Yeah, from your dream. Oh, when I was the firefly, there were people there? Yeah. Or just the wall? It's hard to tell, but that fire looks really familiar. Because you're looking into this campfire, you remember. Now that you have your Jack Frost brain instead of your firefly brain, you <laughs> recognize... The faces of the people. It, and that was a fire that you were looking at as a firefly, by the way. Gotcha. Um, you you could you knew that, right? Like, that the village was burning down? Um, No, I assumed there was some kind of magical wall that something would happen with. It was fire. The building was on fire. Mm, okay, and that's not what I pictured. I, I thought I'd be going all in Canto. You were um, a firefly this big, and you were next to a burning building. Oh. And that's what you think of as you look into this campfire that you realize, oh, flames are actually really small. Where was it that I saw giant flames? Oh, my dream. Wait, I was really small. I was a firefly. Is it possible? And then you think, and now that you're looking at it with your Jack Frost brain, you recognize that this is the village that burned down in rains past. And you, you saw that by sharing a dream with her. I'm going to ask her parents if they've had any weird dreams lately. And you also know that it was your friend Kalamon's divination magic spilling over that did the dream stuff. Because Kalamon was supposed to say that early in the game. So you remember Kalamon saying, didn't you guys also have weird dreams last night when I divine? Oh, man, it spreads to everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just having a divination So they party. probably did not have weird dreams. We got caught in his <laughs> divination sauce. <laughs> ah, yes. The divination hangover. <laughs> I wish I could okay. stop it and <laughs> sleep a lot better. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Hmm. So, properly establishing what happened in the story before now, this is Rain's parents. You recognize them from that time their village burned down. 
Yay. And this is in the rain. Did your village burn down at some point? This is a past uh, event, right? Or a yeah. future event? No, it no, did. hopefully not. Um, it was about the time I've spent with the fire-breathing kittens, plus three-ish years. Um, we it. were attacked by poachers who wanted our horns, and she, like, like knocks on her horns. <laughs> and uh, they attacked and um fire and panic and we kind of scattered since then oh i'm going to approach her parents and introduce myself say hi i'm jack hello jack says linnea her mom and our nods what brings you guys to the mountain we're camping here because we recently reunited with our daughter, Rain. Oh, yeah, she's great. <laughs> Top notch. You know, she just saved our butts back there. We were attacked by a yeti. <laughs> a yeti? But they are normally much higher on the mountain. Oh, I know. They were way down at the bottom. I thought it was really strange. A little warm for them. She looks up the mountain. It's snowy up there. Looks like a lot more yeti style. You know? She's like, well, that's weird. Have you seen anything strange? They uh, look at one another and they look a bit sheepish and they're like, we were distracted. We've been safe for the first time in a long time. So we were catching up on things. Oh, oh, those things. Um, hey, y'all don't have any gold bracelets, do you? Rain would offer the picture, I guess, as, upon hearing that. <laughs> Be like something like this. Have you maybe seen it <laughs> anywhere? Hmm, I can't say I have. I mean, and then she shows you all of her personal belongings or things that she made out of animal parts and plants. <laughs> mm, yeah, doesn't really fit the, the cohesive theme. I could see that. Worth a shot. Would you like a bracelet? I can weave you one out of this jute that I made. There Actually, would... yeah. <laughs> Aw, you guys make jute bracelets. Friendship bracelets. <laughs> <laughs> Arn, uh, Linnea, it's nice to see you again. I'm glad you don't have any talking trees around <laughs> it, rain nods <laughs> you haven't happened to notice any like ruins or anything perhaps in the area oh no we chose this this area because it's very uninhabited and hasn't really ever been inhabited it's so peaceful here and, and you guys look around and it is super peaceful the shagbark hickory nuts are edible and she shows you this and actually all three trees are edible the black cherries obviously those are cherries and then you're not a big fan of that third tree. What was its name? Sour gum. Yeah, spit sour. Mm. <laughs> but they're edible. And you can, you know, she's like showing you, it's uh, uninhabited around here. And it's just so lovely to be in nature. And I, maybe, you know, Rain, we could, we could build the village here. I mean, after seeing that Yeti... <laughs> So I guess if we learn to maneuver around the yetis, um, it might be a good defense <laughs> against people not supposed to be here. So maybe it could work out. It seems like you can take them, too. We've spent the last few years learning how to hide ourselves, too. And she's going to start to show you the magic that she used to hide this part of the earth. So you just 
She shows you, uh, have you guys seen A Wrinkle in Time, like the Tesseract? She holds up a piece of jute fabric and she like folds it in on itself to make the two ends meet. And she's like, it's the earth kissing. She gets all druid happy about it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you establish sort of a stronghold here for now, if we find anyone else from the village, we could just send them here, I guess. That would be wonderful. We could have our family back. Rain, Rain nods, and then grimaces a little because of Sigrid. And then it's like, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Rain, the only thing that concerns me about this scenario is if if these yetis have been driven from their original environment, it's likely that there's a threat large enough to scare them away. I mean, I suppose that is where we're headed, and either, I hope we can resolve that. <laughs> either that or like a lack of food source or something, perhaps? Hmm. Or it's really thirsty. What's that wind? <laughs> I think we're getting a hint. Let's go further up the mountain. Uh, describe your desired outcome and your method. Uh, well, Jack can always just turn into a, a breeze. So Jack is easy. I assume these guys are coming the same way we got up here. What's your desired outcome? To travel up the mountain towards the abnormal wind sound. Okay. We're going to go to break because the ground starts to rumble and there's, oh no. and there's a loud sound. So what is the sound? What will their reaction to that be? What can happen on a mountainside? Dun, dun, dun. They'll have plenty of time to think about that over the break and come up with their plan. Joining us for part one were Errol. Oh, this was abominable. <laughs> Rain. Cacao. <laughs> and with a review, Jack. I remember. Hi, I'm Jack. Uh, sounds like we're having an avalanche of fun here. Let's see how that goes. But before we leave, ooh, I'm clipping. We have a review for you. I have a review here from Demiheart88 saying, I just love the kitschy character. They always get so involved and are so compassionate with the other NPCs and players. They are also very stylish and seem so true to themselves. I love to follow every bit of it. Well, thank you, Demiheart88. We're glad you're having a good time. Aw, leave us a review on iTunes and we'll read it on air. Bye. 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 Today's mid-episode shout-out is from egg underscore static five, who says, quote, He is a genetically modified soldier. She is a desert princess. Action and adventure await you. Flower in the Desert by J.C. Alva. Available where books are sold. End quote. Do you want us to read your shout out? Go to firebreathingkittenspodcast.com and click on buy me a coffee or shout out. Something like that. Anyway, we also have books for you can you can read um, on Amazon and we have audiobooks you can read on listen to on audible (laughs) lastly we do not make money doing this so we don't pay to advertise our show which means the only way we can grow and have more listeners is if you tell someone about us i'm gonna go classic pyramid scheme here tell three people about us and those three people should each tell three people about us and those three people should each tell three people about us and then we'll take over the world no i'm just kidding but tell somebody about us if there's an episode that made you smile Maybe it'll make your friend smile, so let them know. They won't find out about it unless you tell them. (laughs) All right, thanks. 
Welcome back to Trove Foundation. We are joined again by Rain. Hello, everyone. Jack. Hi. And Errol. What will happen next? Would everyone roll a d20? I will roll one, and then I'll write down the number in big marker. Big marker. I got a 15. 14. <laughs> I got a 4. I'm holding up this big marker number. Do you guys see it? Mm-hmm. It says? 19. Yeah. So who's the closest to 19? Was that me? 15? Yeah. I rolled a 14. <laughs> okay. So Can you tell us that's what probably happened me. last time? Sure. So we all had really weird dreams where it kind of seemed like we were in the same scene, but from very different um, vantage points. One of us was a butterfly, one of us was a firefly, and one of us was apparently just herself. Um, and then uh, it seemed to involve uh, Rain's parents. And then we woke up and we decided to go on a quest um wait wait wait! you know what that was right huh you know what the dream was right yeah it was the leaking of the, the divination magic yeah and it was rain's memory of the time that her town got destroyed yay yeah yeah it's why she has a scar across her left eye yeah i rain i think this is my first time playing with you impossible <laughs> i think i don't know um anyways so when uh, that morning we met up with the wizard guy whose name i can't remember who has divination magic and that's why we were having those weird dreams and he says that the world is going to end unless we can go to mount hokkaido uh find xavier tin man and over time not in one game over time um get him to be our friend but for now we just want him kind of involved and we have to give him a special gold bracelet we have a drawing of said gold bracelet. And we first decided to go and try to figure out how we could find the bracelet. So we went to this local mom and pop jewelry store where they just do a little enchanting and charmed our way into this old lady's heart. And she took a look at it <laughs> and tells me that it was made by someone very ancient, um, probably my sister, um, who's not very nice. Uh, and the, her whole shtick is that she's always perfect, but apparently she made some mistakes in this bracelet. So we're going to rub her face in that later. Um, maybe. I haven't decided yet. Depends on how mean she is. And then we set off to Mount Hokkaido to see if we could find the bracelet along the way. Um, because, you know, she is typically dabbling in any kind of problems. And if there's a problem with a world-ending prophecy... Oh, yeah, I forgot that part. There's a prophecy that the world's going to end because everyone's going to die of thirst. <laughs> That's oh, why yeah, we're that. on this quest. <laughs> ADD, y'all. Um, so we are on this mountain. We fought a Yeti who was mysteriously at the base of the mountain. They're supposed to be at the top. Uh, we flew up towards a cliff and found Rain's parents, who tells us they're going to create like a druid village homeland kind of thing in this little fold in space time that they can make with uh, jute fibers. And... <laughs> I got a cool little friendship bracelet from him. And then the, there started to be a very loud sound that I initially thought was the wind, but now I think is an avalanche. And that's where we took a break. Did I miss anything? Rain, did I miss anything? Uh, the weird wizard guy was Kalamon. <laughs> Kalamon, names, names. Yes, Kalamon. Sure, we'll go with that. Uh, apart from that, I don't think so. Yeah, so uh, take it away, GM. What's that big sound? Apart from the Yeti attack. 
I just remember. Oh, I, no, I said that. <laughs> oh, then I overheard it. Sorry. I didn't then, go into details. Then that's everything. <laughs> yeah. Take so it away, currently GM. we're in danger. <laughs> Aren't we always? <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys are. Water flows down the mountain. It's up to your ankles, flowing quickly, nicking you with twigs. Is the mountain top melting? <laughs> this was unexpected. I was thinking an avalanche similar to what Jack said. Or like another Yeti. <laughs> um, can I see anything from further up the mountain? Yes. It's water, maybe like four inches deep. So I just see a bunch of water running down this whole mountain, but the ice cap up above mm, still no, looks no, no, unchanged. No. Um, so it's... Well, the ice cap's really far away, so it's more like a white in the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not running down the whole mountain. It's running down a channel in the mountain. And if anyone would like to learn a new word for the day, look up lahar, L-A-H-A-R, to see what happens when stuff runs down mountains. But basically it's churning black water running between two high points because water goes down. And essentially this point is from right above us. Yeah. Yeah, lahar looks gross. Okay. Um, Is this lahar going to cause any kind of trouble down the mountain is it going to sweep away anything important that i can see from this vicinity like trees or like what do you care about because the druids are kind of sad about their trees um or well i can't protect all the trees but like specifically the druid encampment is that in any danger yes water is up to your ankles and now that all three of you have had a time you each had one response so um it's up to your shins flowing quickly Bruising and cutting you with branches. I think we need to find the source of this water, guys. Yeah, or like get out of the stream, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) Yes. I think we need to protect your parents, too. Let me see if I can do something about this. Um, I'm going to try to hover over this stream a bit and go up towards where it's coming from and see if I can... um, spot an area what i'm looking to accomplish is to find an area upstream of where we are where this channel is directing water towards us um and try to crumble the rock in a direction to shift the flow towards a different part of the mountainside what's your method for crumbling that rock freezing the rock rapidly to make it crumble all right slapping it with some snowflakes all right um i'm gonna give you a highest difficulty rating six here because it's a bunch of water mm-hmm. and it's a lot bigger than you. We're talking like you're trying to stop something that's very wide, like hundreds of feet wide with oh. your ice magic. So that's a six. Go ahead and make your challenge roll. Let me think about this real quick. <laughs> Let me think. Is there something more attainable that I could do? Help me out, guys. My parents can be anywhere. They could just move. <laughs> but isn't there's isn't this like the perfect spot that they found to make like a village? I mean, that's important. Is there enough space for a village? <laughs> it looked like it. I thought it was like just enough for like this camping space and a bit more. I thought they were gonna like move to the side of the mountain. I I believe in you, Jack. I think you should attempt it because I think. <laughs> 
I think they've moved enough. I think we should try and pre- prevent this thing from flooding their encampment. Yeah. Thank I don't, you. I don't know what I can do to support you, but if, if you... I'll pat him on the shoulder. I'll say, you can do this. You got this. Yes. What, um, what was the... GM, what was the thing we can remind them to do? Because I can't remember what it was I was supposed to remember. In um, low facets and stuff. Yes. Uh, so when they... When your past menace or your facet applies to the situation, you can invoke it to add one to your trove. I was going to say, this seems like where Jack would say, my sister's magic is really more suited to this kind of thing. Is that your past menace? Yes, my, my menace is tortured relationship with sister. Okay, so you feel inferior for a moment. Add one to your trove. Okay. What's your trove at? Seven, I believe, with one spent. So it's total six. Okay. I think. Um, all right. So I'm going to roll my d20. We do have two advantage you can add to after you roll if you'd like to. Oh, I rolled a nine. Um, and I get to add three for ice magic. Mm-hmm. So that's a and plus the one. So 10, 13. Um, this ain't looking good because it's minus six, right? Mm-hmm. So 13 minus six is... Uh, seven. Yeah. That didn't go so hot. Um, so I'm going to tell you what happens, and you choose one of these two effects. You can either suffer a weight of two menace. I imagine this is emotional because your sister would have succeeded with a complication to succeed, or you can fail to get out of this without a complication. Um... I'm going to say, you know what? No, we're really going to try to help her parents. You know, I'm, I'm good for something. And even though I know my sister would have done better, so I will take the two menace of feeling inferior to her. Okay. So my menace is now at three. Oof, yeah. All right. So describe exactly what you do. All right. So I find an area upstream where there is um, a little ridge in the rock that is directing the water down towards us and i run my hands along it and channel uh cold into it um so that the little fissures within the rock start to expand and contract and start crumbling um to try to make the rock crumble and the water go a different direction the water breaks over an embankment finds a new channel and runs off that side of the cliff face the trickle mm. that had been up to your shins, rain, and arrow decreases down to your ankles and then is gone. There's just damp soil underneath your feet as Jack Frost has saved the encampment. Yay. You did it, Jack. I knew you had it in you. Aw, thanks, guys. I'm well, still waiting for that nice complication, though. <laughs> However, I know something we could do because it's like psychological can we like can we be like two little hype men and be like yeah you did it you're the best oh my god that was so cool honestly i was prepared to move i didn't i didn't think we could stand up against like nature like that but like you did it so that's that's really cool thank you so much jack appreciates the the confidence in him (laughs) and unfortunately because it took you so long because your sister would have done it faster your sister would have just errupted a 100-foot ice wall and totally stopped it instantly. But she because, would have. <laughs> but because you had to 
freeze and expand and freeze and expand the rock. The campsite uh, with its campfire, with its tent, everything that wasn't a character, NPC, or playable, you know, everything that wasn't able to, like, hold on to something. We're talking the the tent, uh, all of your dad's forageables, Rain. I can give him some of mine. (laughs) Everything that they owned is gone. It's been washed off the cliff, ripped apart and tumbled into pieces by the water that had been up to your shins, you know. Um, covered in mud, ripped and torn by all the twigs. And you see, like, half of the tent over there and, like, a piece of fabric from the tent over there. Those jute ropes that Linnea, your mom, had been helping you make friendship bracelets with earlier, totally washed away and gone. Everything they owned in this world is gone. This is depressing. (laughs) That's a new beginning. Like, it's... At least they're alive. And they're not in the middle of... If they were in the middle of the city, they would be screwed. But they are not. So they'll be fine. Rain may take another newspaper job or something to get them, like, a new cooking pot or whatever. And with, like, a big sheet of fabric, they'll be able to, like, get everything back together. Are are her parents looking rather distraught at this? Linnea is comforting Arn. The the mom is holding and patting the dad on the head as he sobs into her arms. My pretty rocks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I tried. I'll I'll walk over to Arn and put my arm around him and I'll say, uh, uh, we'll, we'll look out for you, we'll help you rebuild. Yeah, now that you're just a train ride away, I'll, I can also help more. Arn sniffles into Linnea and says, Thank you. I just, you know, if it had been the first time, it wouldn't be a big deal. It's But when it keeps happening over and over, everything gone. I mean, we're still here. We'll be you're fine. Still here. Yes. Yes. And then Linnea pulls you all into a big group hug. <laughs> Oh. I think you guys are adopted now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. So the the <laughs> the thing he was most upset about was the stones that got washed away, like amethyst and things like that. Mostly they were just like quartz, <laughs> like just white quartz. And he was just like, oh, this one's pretty. <laughs> like not of any value. <laughs> All right. So we still got to find out the source of this water, guys, or this might get worse. And... Another complication is the magical campsite swept away, washed over the cliff and down the mountain under the roaring black water. The water has rushed downhill carrying branches, trees, animals, and now tents. Your mom realizes, Our protections! exclaimed Linnea. Without them, the hunters will find us soon. What protections? Her jute bending abilities. (laughs) The magics. She oh. could wa- um, she could warp the the surroundings so that they could not be seen. I believe. Yes. Jack gestures towards his wrist and says, "Do you need this bag?" Oh, you're so dear. Linnea pats you on the shoulder. She's a very touchy person, and uh, <laughs> and then pats your your bracelet and says, "No, you keep that. I. It was part of the trees, but and she looks." And the black cherry tree has been swept away. Hmm. I know someone who might be able to help with that. Actually, make 
plants grow in places very quickly. <laughs> yeah, what is your desired outcome and the method? Um, I mean, I can't teleport him around, <laughs> but uh, I can get him later, I guess. Um, yeah, let's talk about what happens I'll... later if you're alive after the end of the adventure. <laughs> Future planners. <laughs> no, I'm scared. <laughs> um, I would invoke my relationship facet with Cameron, because an alchemist horticulturist can probably plop down a seed and grow it and quickly. <laughs> so Now, what's interesting about relationship facets is that when you focus a facet into one aspect, you kind of narrow it into something that they're doing that they can't do other things so if if he helps you with agriculture does that mean you guys aren't gonna like do something else like he can't help you with blood or he can't help you like hmm it's interesting i mean currently he's already helping me with agriculture okay this is yeah this is the benefit you get from cameron is the agricultural benefit you've you've narrowed it you've focused it also, I don't think anything else would interest him <laughs> if it's not about plants. <laughs> he's like this super strong ancient vampire fighter and you guys are like taking on a yeti and he's like, I'll be at the farm. <laughs> I can't be bothered. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's like, do I gotta? Because, you know, I got some cherry trees. <laughs> not really into this. <laughs> Okay, if you choose, you can focus this relationship so that the benefit you get from having, I mean, the benefit, it's not like you're using him, but like, <laughs> if you'd like, just go ahead and describe it um, and make your role. Yeah, I guess later on, Rain will just drive back to Nikamoi. If he's currently, I mean, I guess he's currently there because he's basically experimenting stuff on the histrocyte to see if the histrocyte would accept whatever he grows because that's like his goal to like make basically he's basically trying to make people enjoy vegan food (laughs) (laughs) um because he's like trying to grow like blood plants that have like the same nutrients as actual blood but are also like taste wise so that Maybe people can stop attacking other people at some point. So I guess he's like in in the outskirts of Nikamoy, like experimenting if the histrocid eats stuff. (laughs) I I have an idea, GM. It's a crazy one, but can I propose it? Yeah, after Rain's finished doing her thing. Rain, let's see your roll and then we'll go to Errol. I'm going to do this middle of the road arduous, just a three subtracted from your d20. Can Cameron grow back the cherry tree? I mean, there's plenty of cherries on it, right? So you have seeds. That is true. Um, let's see. I just have to very quickly check the focus facet rule. Okay. So, trove mechanics. I guess it's cool if we, like, talk about them. (laughs) Uh, Focusing a facet... Yes, I rolled a d20, and by focusing a facet, I was allowed to roll t- to get a boon for the situation, which means I was allowed to roll a d6 and add the number I rolled to my roll. Yeah. So, I rolled a 15. I got a 3 on the dice. Does flora and fauna, like, from me also help? Like, I add some... That's not an idiom that's used in English, but I'll add some of my mustard... And uh, 
Cameron is like, no, it's not like that, and then continues more efficiently. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, then I would be on a 19. All right. Greater than 16 d20 roll means you get what you intended. Success. You have the option of spending one trove to adding an advantage to the table. Yay, let's go. Yay. Three advantage on the table. Three nice. trove in my bag. <laughs> All right, good. Errol, you said you wanted to do something. Um, I, I think I'm good. I had an idea, but it seems like y'all got that resolved. Yeah, after the adventure, Cameron's going to magically grow a cherry tree. Uh, who chopped down maybe that cherry some... tree? <laughs> and, and Jack maybe did. Some, some other trees? <laughs> Just decorate the campsite and make it all pretty with trees. Well, the more trees you have. Oh, and this is the first time that your boyfriend is meeting your parents, isn't it? Not boyfriend yet, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind, they, have, they have kind of a will of one day situation going on. Good way to win over the parents. Yeah. Being useful is a great way to be introduced to someone. Hello, it's nice to meet you. I'll solve your problem. Oh, look, you like me. I'm surprised. <laughs> you might actually, like, use that and be like, oh, yes. <laughs> of course I'll help your parents. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say that if I could give a bane to the interactions between Cameron and your parents from now on because of saving their tree, there's a... a uh, what is that called? A boon or bane? Yeah, what is a boon? Boon. Boon, boon is good. Boon. Banes are bad. Banes are <sighs> boon. <laughs> okay, so you get a. They each get a boon interacting with one another. Nice. And he gets the second uh, pretty earring that I bought earlier. <gasps> it was for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wears wow. more jewelry than Rain, actually. <laughs> Aww. Well, congratulations. What are you guys doing next? I mean, I guess we're going up the mountain to yeah, see what's going on. Yeah, we just need to get up there. I could use a lift. <laughs> <laughs> I think Rain, you guys I think that's more you. I think you guys can fly, but I I'm not very uh good with heights. <laughs> do you prefer the talon then or do you wanna like piggyback? <laughs> uh whatever's more comfortable for you. I don't think she minds because i mean the talon might be safer considering you don't have to hold on yourself (laughs) also if i'm in your talons i can pretend like i can fly that's true (laughs) just like hold out your arms and go like i'm the king it might help with your menace (laughs) it might help with your menace (laughs) get some confidence boost (laughs) so if you turn into an eagle i will climb into your talons yeah let's go rock again Okay, fun. rock. I mean, it's significantly bigger, but it's not like invest- they don't exist in the world. So <laughs> let's I go investigate this gusher. <laughs> it's black gusher. Jack, are you going with him? Yeah, I'm. I can turn into a breeze. I just follow along. It's really cold up here. All of you, your breath condenses in the air as you breathe out. <sighs> Above the tree line, there's nothing to obstruct your view for miles and miles. Dense clouds overhead feel oppressive. The mountain peaks are scraping the sky, rising right up into those clouds. Black rock up high to the left, up high to the right, to the tops disappearing in cloud. Far off in the distance, a white river is frozen. The white river is sunken between two black ridges. 
The unmoving white river curves to the left around a bulge in the mountainside, then curves back to the right and rises up, up, up to the peak, joining with other white fields, disappearing into the cloud cover. Everywhere you look, it's black rock, white rivers, gray clouds. And far, far off in the distance, there is a speck of red. Hmm. Well, this frozen river gives me Frida vibes. So <laughs> I'm thinking it's probably over there. You guys want to check it out? Can we try and, like, does anyone have, like, a telescope to, like, focus in on that red spot? I, from a few episodes ago, if I still have it, I have a spyglass that I used to spy on a turtle from far away. Mm -hmm. So I will put it up to my good eye and I will investigate this red speck. Through the spyglass, you see... Well, let's make this a challenge. Okay. Your desired outcome, see stuff. Your desired method, spyglass. I'm going to lower the difficulty to a two because of the spyglass. And I have investigation. Would that apply to this? Plus yes. one. I got an 11. Let's look at the results here. That means that you have the option of spending a trove to add an advantage to the table. I like this system, trove. Like in Iron Sworn, you're like, oh no, the more rolls I do, <laughs> the, mm -hmm. the more I die. <laughs> in this game, the more rolls you do, the more advantage you have on the table to help you later. So yes, you, su you succeed partially with your 11 which means if you would like you have the option of spending a trove to add an advantage to the table so first let's ask if you do that yes i will do that excellent how much advantage is on the table we're up to four right now good job and then it says now it says that you succeed with a complication okay so i'm going to tell you what you see because you succeed I try to fully give it to you like i feel bad that i couldn't let the, the yeti run away last time when you wanted to scare it off but I'm like, oh, that's super out of character for it. So I got you halfway there. Um, so here, I, I'm trying to give you what you want. I'll, I'll tell you that you see it. That red speck is sometimes bigger and sometimes smaller, but definitely smaller than a house. Looking through the telescope, that red speck is a person with plumes of red shooting out to the left, to the right. And you've got a telescope. I'm going to give it to you all. That red speck is a woman in her 60s wearing a comfortable red muumuu, shooting fireballs left and right to melt the glacier. Her efforts have produced a sizable melt pond. Now, the complication is that the melt pond is going to release because you see it and <laughs> there is a complication. That's why you want higher rolls. So the melt pond starts to head towards the channel and you guys have diverted that. So that's okay. Hey, good job, Jack. Yeah. Okay. Oh. And you can see now she's developing another melt pond. And, and th she's producing flames to do this, correct? They're shooting out of her hands? Yes. Have you told me this so far? Um, I was about to shout out. Jack, does your sister produce flames? Um, so after talking uh, with Errol about this, I realized that this is going to be Edith. Uh, my sister started the College Errant, where she shares some of her abilities with others to, to kind of do the same works that she's doing. Um, Edith is usually the person manning the castle. Uh, her magic manifests more in a fire kind of way. But she's super nice. 
uh, for some reason, she's melting all the ice and producing all this water. <laughs> okay. Uh, should we go talk to her? Yes, I think so. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Let's all head over there. We trudge through the snow. Oh, I think you were flying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will, other people trudge. I don't. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, you arrive. Edith, I think we're all flying. <laughs> yes. Edith Embers is... I'm kind of impressed, you know. It's like firebending from Avatar The Last Airbender. She's doing cool, but they're sensuous moves, you know. She's a woman in her mid-60s of a certain age. That's <laughs> how she was described. But she's all glammed up. She's got the the bounce in the right places. And as she moves... uh like ballroom dancing more than fire bending the fire accentuates each move that she makes this is from the sexy battle wizards mechanic she only has the magic when she's sexified (laughs) (laughs) the episode was frigid beach if you guys want to hear that um if so we we're within distance of her have we landed yet yeah uh i would like to approach uh and produce my a cigarette case with licorice and I will pull a piece of licorice from the case and I will say uh, uh, pardon me I I am enjoying this performance would you like a piece of licorice oh hello (laughs) she sounds warm and motherly and kind I I didn't see you there and I she puts the fire away (laughs) so as not to burn you (laughs) it's in her pocket (laughs) Uh, Raina's still a rock by the way she didn't turn back yet (laughs) what a magnificent rock and it's I, I was, is that I'm sorry. Jack hiding behind it? Yeah. Hi, Edith. <laughs> oh, hello, Jack. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I see that. What you, what you doing? I see. <laughs> Using my sexy battle wizard fire magic to melt the glacier, of course. Yeah, but why? I was paid a fair amount of money to do this. I love helping people out and putting my fire magic to good use. Tell me more. Who paid you? Chibi Afanasev, Xavier Tinman, and Olaf Schaffner. Oh, why? Oh, they, they said they're wheat farmers downhill. They wanted some fresh water released from the glacier to stock their irrigation system. That makes sense. Okay, so Tinman is on the bottom of this mountain. Okay. Um, hmm. You haven't seen my sister, have you? I saw her a little ways ago when, uh, do you remember the time when you almost froze Nick and Moy to death? Yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen her since then, though. Hmm. Okay. Um, do you think you could introduce us to the Tin Man? Sure. I gave him some flamethrowers so he'd feel useful. And uh, they went off over that ridge there, she points. Uh, the rock has like the drawing of the of the golden bracelet in its beak <laughs> oh actually that's a really good point um hey edith you know that that jewelry box you keep do you have anything like this in there she starts to look inside and as she does the entire ground you're all standing on cracks ominously a long white crack opens up and it separates you guys and she goes, oh, sorry. I, And the glacier starts to slide down the hill. Oh! Which definitely will take out Rain's parents. <laughs> just saying. Mm. Oh, oh, don't mind this. This is just uh, to help their irrigation. And she, like, 
put some fire on it to help it along. She's like, come on this side and I'll, I'll just scoot it out of the way here. Um, hey, Edith, there, there are people on this mountain. What? People were downhill, but I checked. There was no one there. Um, they're druids. They blend in. Oh. You, you kind of br- broke all their stuff. <laughs> what? Yeah, all that's left is this bracelet. He holds up his wrist. The glacier is now sliding down the hill. Oh, no! <laughs> Do you mind if I hold that, uh, that, that, that glacier up here a little bit? I, I don't want to sound rude, but are you sure, Jack? Shouldn't we just call your sister? We know she'd do great. Oof. Do you have her number? Yes, I can call her. Oh. I, I, I guess. You see that there's a rope and she starts to climb up into the clouds. Jack, you, you can do this. We've seen you do amazing things. You can stop this thing from falling down the hill. Motivating rock noises. I mean, I can try... I'm not necessarily great at the big stuff, but okay. The the rock would like nudge you to the to the thing. Yeah. Do like right, the wing well, flaps and be like, yeah. Jack <laughs> is gonna try to to freeze a glacier back onto a mountainside. <laughs> um, there are four advantage available on the table right now. <laughs> mm, I know, but I feel like I shouldn't use it for this. This is exactly when you should use it. I mean, my parents are stuck. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, fair. Well, let's see. This is a monumental task, not because of the glacier, but because of Jack's self-esteem. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I rolled a 14. I add a plus three for uh, the ice magic. What? Before we continue with the roll, your friends should remind you to invoke your menace. Exactly. I was going to say, I was also get a plus one for my menace here. No, no, no. You invoke a menace to add a trove to your pool. Your menaces, your self-esteem from your sister. Your sister does everything perfectly. You should have known it wasn't her bracelet because there were mistakes in it. Of course not. So anything your sister does, she's perfect at. You can't ever be held to that standard. You would always fail. And so her offering to get your sister just now, that hurt you. So invoke your menace, add a trove. And fellow players, notice what your fellow player's menace is. Yeah, trove went up to eight. Um, so I do not get to add a plus one, correct? I think it was at six, because you... Oh, anyway, continue. It's at eight total with one spent. Okay. I don't know which one we keep track of. It just just subtract off one. You're at seven. Okay, yeah. All right, so we've got that. And like I said, I do add plus one because of the menace being involved, right? No, that's not no. how it is. No. Okay, sorry. So 14 plus three is 17. Because your dice roll is 14, you had three from your skill at ice magic. Yes. A 17. You could add some advantage, because that's a big task. <laughs> well, let me see if I need to. Success. Oh. Math okay. brain, not mathing. A 16 or greater means that you get your intended effect. You also have the option of spending one trove to add an advantage to the table. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. How much trove is left? Six. Okay. I had seven. All right. Well, then describe what happens as before Edith can even reach the top of her ladder. Jack is going to turn back into an icy wind and zoom around the base of the glacier as fast as he can and try to refreeze the uh, the leading edge of it back to the ground. And he succeeds. Yay. Ooh. 
Keith looks shocked. Yeah, see, we didn't need your sister. We got Jack. Thanks, guys. Approving rock noises. <laughs> <laughs> Encouraging rock noises. Roar! <laughs> Edith climbs down from the rope and she goes, Oh, that was even faster than if I had called Frida. I'm surprised. I didn't think you would do that, Jack. Ouch. <laughs> then you don't know Jack. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> Affirmative rock noises. <laughs> Although I do still have questions for her. Go ahead and call her anyways, because I need to talk to her about a bracelet. Also, it is very irresponsible to go around changing the environment without considering the economic or the ecological effects of your actions. You're driving yetis down south. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're just running in fear from all this fire. They're not used to that. That's terrible. Well, uh, but I have received money to do this job. What about the farmers and their irrigation? Have you ever you heard of pipes? <laughs> no, what yeah. are those? <laughs> or even just hiring actually. the druids to call rain? Not this rain. Uh, actual R-A-I-N. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she might do a rain dance. <laughs> Are there you yeah, you mentioned there are druids. Where are they? <clears throat> oh, they're on the cliff. We'll show you later. Although now I'm also thinking if we have to win over Xavier Tin Man, um, Rain, can you actually do a rain dance? Maybe. <laughs> Cause I'm just saying that would be really helpful to making him like us. I'm a bit unsure that he's actually a wheat farmer. <laughs> I would go check if there is actually a wheat farm <laughs> before doing anything else. Yeah, perhaps we should talk to them. turn back for that because she can't check as a bird. <laughs> okay. Um, but um, was Edith asking more questions or did she call Frida? Edith tries to call Frida and Frida says that Edith is not important enough. Like, the glacier problem was solved, so... <laughs> She doesn't want to talk to you or, or Edith. You're just not, you're below her notice. If this, it hurts to say this. Frida's not nice. She's really busy saving the world. Is this worth saving the world? Cause that's what I'm doing. Okay. Wow. What it, was this conversation happening within Sigrid. earshot? Sorry, you both spoke at the same time. I couldn't hear you. Was this conversation happening within earshot? Uh, you could hear it drifted down from the... Because it's a castle on a floating rock that's yeah. hidden by clouds right now, but you guys aren't up there. But um, yeah, you could hear it. So I can't participate or ask her where she is. No, no, she's too busy. She hangs up, unfortunately. It's really rude. Talk How about are we going to find shoulder. this bracelet? <laughs> she got jokes. <laughs> what do you guys think? Because that was my I idea mean, to find this bracelet. Edith recognized it, right? Maybe she knows more. Because then the glacier started falling and she was like, oh, it's fine. We were like, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, well, here, you take it. Ask her. Um, is, is she still like, is she coming back down again? Or Yeah, yeah. She looks really sheepish because she just got hung up on. And she says to Jack, <laughs> I couldn't reach her. <laughs> just to spare you. <laughs> um, you could help us in, in a different way. Do you maybe happen to... 
have or have seen a bracelet like this and she holds up the picture again that was like drawn oh that's an amazing drawing you even spelled the spell perfectly yes it's it's not one of the amazing sexy battle wizard jewelry pieces frida made though i mean i made this one and all it does is stop the wearer from teleporting but wow how did you know about it she reaches into uh the castle goes up to the castle comes back and um when she returns she has this gold bangle style bracelet it's a perfect match for the drawing. Um, oh, this this div- divination wizard with a success chance of one hundred and twenty percent has told us that this is incredibly important in order to save the world from dying to thirst thanks to another magical artifact used maliciously. Well, goodness, if it's going to save the world and just. Look how perfect it is. And she, she says, this must go with you. And she hands it to Rain. It matches your earring. <laughs> <laughs> It'll match ten men's, I don't know, handcuffs. I don't know. <laughs> and Rain, do you put it on? I mean, I'm not teleporting anywhere, but I also don't want to stop myself from teleporting anywhere. So <laughs> I guess not. I just want to put it on ten men's wrist. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um... Edith, could you point us to uh, Xavier Tinman's fa- uh, wheat farm? Oh, I didn't go there um, myself. But it's in the foothills, correct? I, I don't know. They found- I have a floating castle, you see. And sometimes people like climb up to me. And in the mountains, it's much more common because it's hard for me to judge the elevation as much. And so they came to me. Do you, do you still have something that they touched or like the money that they paid you with or anything? Something that was like in their possession for a while? Yes. And she gives you like, uh, you come up to her castle if you want, whatever. We're going to skip that. It's a big uh, treasure chest full of a lot of gold. Does it? Is there still a send that Rain could track? Yes. And she knows where they are currently. She said that earlier. Oh, that's right. They're up here. Yeah. Um, Let's go find them. Rain, you can track their... Oh, wait. Rain, you sniff the gold. Yeah, I have an asset for that. Roll your die. (laughs) But there's no scent. Because it's a robot, but is there like oil or something? (laughs) Mm -mm, Nope. There's no Mm. oils produced by a non-living creature. Well, it's living, but it's not mm, flesh. It's a a non-flesh creature. No, like like mechanical oil, like grease or anything? No. No. No, like copper smell or anything? Nope. Like I've worked with I worked with metal for like thirteen hours the other week and everything smells like it. <laughs> yeah, copper wood. This doesn't. Darn. So I can't track them, but we do kind of know where they are, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's Done. weird that you cannot track the owner because you guys have past knowledge and you know that they are not a flesh being. Okay, well let's just go look for him. Right, she points you to where she had sent them with flamethrowers to help. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Over there, and she points to a ridge. Jack is going to turn invisible and go over that ridge. Without your friends? Yes, I am sneaking ahead to see if I can hear them talking about anything. Mm, Okay, you have described your method and your desired outcome. Go ahead and roll. A roll. Okay. I uh, rolled a 17. Seems more than it needs to be, but okay. Okay. Um, uh, 
subtract am... four from that dice because this is a formidable task. Okay, so that's down to 13, and my I have a Stealth Master plus two. So that goes that back up to 15, and then a plus one to bonus to Stealth by going invisible from my assets invisibility. So 16 total. That's great. A 16 or greater means that you get your intended result. Success! You have the option of spending one trove to add an advantage to the table. Yes, I am down to five. All right. I'm going to give you all the information. Success. It's really cold up here, which other people would feel, and you don't, Jack. Jack, do you have breath that condenses in the air as you breathe out? Probably, because yes. it helps you write on windows. Like, it's cute. Your sister doesn't, because she doesn't like the affectation, but you do. Yeah. <laughs> I can choose to. You can choose to. <laughs> You're floating along this white frozen river, invisible. The ice... um is shiny and white beneath you. You reach the end of the glacier and the beginning of the ridge. Black rock rises up high in front of you, blocking your view. Invisibly, you rise over the rock to peek behind it. Three figures are standing between ridges, flamethrowering a stream of frozen ice. One of them might be in a tank? You're kind of far away and the rocks and ridges are in the way, but that's weird. And then I'll continue because you're invisible and you're gathering information. All three figures have a tattoo on their cheek. The tattoo oh, no. is like a circle with a comma coming off of the circle in the one o'clock position. The fatter part of the comma further from the circle. It's arching downwards like a bridge, not a smile. One figure is a construct powered by steam energy that occasionally leaks from between her joints. Jack is observing them quietly, sneakily. As she moves, when she moves, her joints emit puffs of steam. She bends down and stands up as part of her movements as she flamethrowers an area in a huge gout of fire, steam leaking from her knees. How's it going over there, Olaf? She calls out. Steam leaves her mouth. The person that she called to, the second figure, is a shiny metal man. He finishes flamethrowering an area and responds, Don't make me tell you again, Chibi. Don't rush me. No exhalation exits when he speaks. The last figure, a metal man with huge arms and a lower half of his body built into his chair, doesn't speak. He just continues rolling his tank which it was a, a wheelchair the last time we met him, but then he went to jail and then he got out of jail and then he met the Deepus and then you guys know this character. Um, he's gotten some level ups. He just continues flamethrowering, then rolling his chair backwards, flamethrowering, then getting another area, rotating, just making a swath of destruction and puddles in front of him. That's what you see, Jack. Okay. I am going to report back to my friends and share this information. So the tank man is our target. Yeah, I think that's Xavier. Do you, either of you know the other two? I don't think so. I don't think I recognize the names. Okay. How do you guys want to go about this? Hmm. I, I, I'm, pre I'm pretty good at stealth myself. I don't think I can quite go as invisible as you can there, Jack. Um, the question is, do we want to approach in a, like a friendly manner i don't i don't think we would need to be beating on xavier 10 man if we're supposed to be uh befriending him at some point i mean on the other hand he's part of the deep ooze 
And we're actively trying to stop their plans all the time. So do we want to actually approach or would we rather try a distraction and slap the bracelet on Xavier without him knowing kind of deal? Well, if if it's put on him forcefully, he's more likely to want to remove it. He'll be more suspicious. So I think that might be something we have to do with a little bit of trickery or Hmm. I, I say we approach hmm. from a friendly perspective first, and then if it goes bad, then we produce weapons. Okay. Hmm. What do you think, Rain? I'm pondering if it might not be smart to have Invisible Jack have the bracelet. Oh, that's not a bad idea. So, I mean, we like, don't, we but we don't know that them. it's like he can't remove it. It might just be that it's like just a regular bracelet. Who would you mm-hmm. ask to find out? Oh, Edith, I guess you made it. <laughs> yeah, let's right? zoom back over there and ask her. You're back. Hello. Would you like a cup of tea? Yes, but also, <laughs> can you tell me more about the details of this bracelet? Oh, yes, I made this bracelet to stop myself from teleporting. Oh, back in the day, she tells you a really long story, and she basically ate a fruit, and every time she hiccuped, she would teleport. So she made this bracelet so that she could hiccup in peace without <laughs> How do you get it off? I just took it off. Hmm. Is there a way to make it unremovable? With magic, anything is possible. But why? Oh, reasons. Saving the world? Again? <laughs> Still? Jack, are you trying to help your sister Frida? Um, not directly, but may- maybe partly. I don't know. Is she even involved in this? I don't think this is, is she, this is beneath her notice. <laughs> oh, yes, that sounds okay. That sounds like something you can do. Well, then, yes, I can I can make the bracelet not be able to remove. Um, I can just here and she gets her gold. Gold is a very easily worked metal. It has a very low melting temperature and it's super ductile and malleable and all those words you can use to describe metals. But basically she's able to um, change the engraving in this bracelet within minutes. It's uh, especially for someone who's made a bunch of jewelry before. She's kind of like some grinding noises. (laughs) 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 And she changes it. And um, it's a good thing that that shop owner from earlier isn't here because she would have found another mistake <laughs> that's where there were mistakes in it jack your sister didn't make this well jack is not going to tell edith about the mistakes she doesn't need to know <laughs> well, that's good and she hands you the bracelet and she says whoever's wearing this won't even know they are it'll just meld into them and be eh, uh, not unre- i can take it off but they can't <laughs> All right. Well, it's very important that you don't take it off, no matter how much she asks. Um, all right. <laughs> so with the raised eyebrows, you guys walk away. <laughs> you trust me or no? <laughs> so, you guys, I think I think we have a plan here. I'm going to try to invisible over and sneak over and put it on him. Yeah. But we need a distraction. Oh, yeah. What do you guys I, got? I, I got a good idea for the distraction. I think... If Rain tra- uh, stays rock form and carries me over and I scream like I'm in trouble and <laughs> they might not actually help, they might not actually help, but it might give them pause and then you could attempt to put the bracelet on. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, good. Rain, you look very formidable. Um, how good of an actor are you feeling like you are today, Errol? 
Help! Help! This rock is eating me! Oh no, more, more. <laughs> we, need you, we, need, we need you to play this up like you're going for a Grammy or Help, Oscar or whatever that thing is. I will die without assistance. I'm being eaten by a rock. There Evil we go. rock noises. <laughs> All right. I think we have a plan in place. Questions, thoughts, concerns. I have more skills as a werewolf. Oh, Poss- also possible eating situation. I think I would get more bonuses that way. Yes, but if my thing is, come. if I'm in your talons, then we can fly away if things get bad. That is true. And Druid's you can choice. stay away from their flamethrowers also. That is also true. Well, was are very flammable now that I think about it. <laughs> All right. Going for the bird form? Yeah. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for that and Yeah. Describe your you've described your method. You've described how you're doing this. You've got a rock. You're carrying an arrow. And rain <laughs> is flying over near them. What's your desired outcome? My my desired outcome would be to convince them that I am being eaten and that this bird is a threat. And I'm I wanna use skullduggery for that, one of my facets. Okay. So it'll be arrow rolling. Only one person can roll in Trove. Is that okay, y'all? Or would you rather do something? Oh, I assume we would all have to roll for our different components of this. Nope. Only one one roll per challenge. All right. Go for it. And feel free to use up the advantage, because this is a big one. Right. That's true. And if I focus Skullduggery, which is trickery, basically, uh, that gives me a d6 on this roll, right? If you focus your trickery into acting so that you could only use this trickery to to deceive yes okay that's that's what i'm trying to do yeah write down so for the listeners you can focus it so that the facet gets more narrowed it excludes a lot of other ways you can use that facet but it makes it really good at one thing and i believe rain's player was talking about how you is you add another dice for that or something? What's the? What do you get for focusing your facet? I think you get a boon. A boon. Yeah, a boon is a dice. I had a to D6. check boon or bane. A boon is a dice, a d6 that you add to your roll. All right. Um, and could I use fast talking for this also? Uh, essentially, that would be my acting, trying to deceive them. Sure. Okay. All right. So I'll roll. Oh goodness, that was terrible. <laughs> Let me set the challenge. So the outcome that you want to happen, do you want them to really be distracted? Yes. Okay, I'll set this just base. It's pretty distracting. So it's <laughs> it's only a, an arduous three subtracted from your, D, from your D20. So what was your dice? Okay, so I got a two on the D20 and, <laughs> and a, a one on the D6. But I oh, have no. <laughs> an added two for fast talking. Uh-huh. So that's five minus what? Oh, it doesn't really matter. Anything below an eight. Well, we have five advantage on the board. Okay. You're going to need them. (laughs) So what was the, what was the difficulty? It was a three. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) It's just middle. So so that would be five right now. Minus, or sorry, minus three is two. So then I would need... Uh, average of two d six is a seven. Can you so invoke I'm a gonna spend, I'm gonna spend three advantage. Leaving how many advantage oh. on the table? Two. Okay. 
Everyone note that there are two advantage on the table. So we're at three right now. Or was it two? It was two. Also, I think you can spend a trove for a raise. That would just be a plus one. Right? I, th- I think that's okay. I rolled a four, five, and a one, which is a 10 plus two is 12. A 12. Okay, that is much different than a two. Uh, and Rain makes a really good point in the future. If you want to spend a trove directly for a raise, which is a dice, you can. Um, it's kind of more flexible to keep your trove until the moment you need it, though, right? Yeah, and mm, I think the plus one would be best if you're on the cusp of something. Like, you have an eight versus a nine. That's that's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah, because it only increases your challenge roll by one. So it's not a dice. Yeah, A dice is at least one. And then possibly two, three, four, five, or six. Yeah. Okay, so you... What was your number? Twelve? Twelve. You can either... Uh, succeed with a complication or fail to get out of this without a complication and you have the option of spending one trove to add an advantage to the table do you want to spend one of your trove for sure how much trove do you have left uh two all right and um i the the game master am going to remind you about a thing Mm -hmm. as i talk to you about this complication so unfortunately what is on your face errol an eye patch why I was burned, uh, and I can. I was burned on the right side of my body. Yeah, and what are they doing? They're using oh, fire. No. <laughs> <laughs> this would, this would so be a I'm, good time to invoke my menace. Yes, I'm going to remind you to invoke your menace and add one to your trove as I introduce this complication of. You have a little bit of a flashback to that moment. Can you describe the moment for me that you gained your scar? Uh, yes, I was investigating a. A dragon's den and got the wrong end of the dragon and i was blasted with fire i fell into like a ravine and was washed onto the bank uh it was very traumatic and one could say without kalamon you might not have survived and i, I also had the uh, the menace of frightened from being attacked by a yeti earlier so that's probably not helping the situation it's all not helping the situation Without Kalamon coming to you and saying, we need you to save the world one day, you would have been ended right there by that fire. And the flames, you know, you were a tiny butterfly recently and you saw that wall of flame again. It's like you can't escape from it. And so your body freezes up mid-shout. <laughs> I'm being attacked by a rock. I. The shout gurgles and dies in your throat. The rock is like, menacingly (laughs) (laughs) and you're frozen in those Uh, claws uh, Olaf now it's a success the complication is your PTSD sorry that you're (laughs) suffering through that Um, but the success is that they look up from their flamethrowering and Olaf says to Chibi so the silver man says to the woman with the steam in her joints oh look it's the meat circle of life and he hand waves He just called you meat. (laughs) But indeed, they are distracted. Jack, Olaf, and Chibi are distracted. Chibi's kind of making a tisking sound. Chibi likes meat people. (laughs) And she's like, meat people are people too. (laughs) Should I be rolling again? Or is this a continuation of what we just did? We have concluded what just happened. They succeeded. And the the people are distracted. Uh, Olaf is trying to teach Chibi that meat is just meat and it's just part of the cycle of life. Chibi's like, I have a friend Maeve that I really like and she's made out of meat. 
Um, you know, not everybody stays with the deep ooze. Yeah. And well, tell me your desired outcome and your My method. desired outcome is to slap this bracelet on um, Xavier Tin Man. Yes. Um, my method, I am currently invisible. Now, the thing you'll know about Jack from his first adventure is even when he's invisible, there are still traces of him being there, mostly from his effect on the environment around him, such as footprints in the snow. So that's why we need the distraction. So while they're distraction, distracted, I'm going to sneak up to them and try to uh, slap this on him without him noticing. Just a little um, question before yes. everything happens. GM did not mention Xavier being specifically distracted. <laughs> Xavier Can we is... check what Xavier is doing? <laughs> Xavier is looking up at the sky, holding a flamethrower. The hands haven't left the flamethrower. Okay. A bangle is a continuous circle. Mm, I did not realize that. Okay. Uh... I'm glad Rain caught on. Rain, you're so smart. You get the gold star for smart this episode. Okay. How to Yay, accomplish this. This, this oh. contraption, is it? Is his legs encased in the um, chair that he's in? What legs? The chair is uh, his legs. His legs aren't visible. Okay. He was never built with legs. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> ideas. Any ideas, guys? How to get him to drop the flamethrower? Can I you... can make it really cold. I mean, they don't, I don't know if he would care. He's, he's a robot. I'm not sure he would feel that. Could you disrupt the flame by using your frost powers? It, I don't know that he would drop it, but he might rearrange how he's holding it to try and fix it. Yeah, to check it. That's, That's a good one. true. I would have suggested like trying to gust it out of his hand, but that's even better because it's less... You know, things break all the time. That's not that unusual. Okay, yes. Um, so I'm going to sneak up near him and attempt to, um, you know, infuse the flamethrower with ice to make its internal mechanisms jam. And when he moves his hand to reposition and examine the flamethrower, slide the bracelet on. All right, I like the desired outcome and the method. Go ahead and make your challenge roll. This is okay. just middle of the road, just arduous, just three. That's all. Okay, I rolled a nine, and I am guessing that I can use my invisibility boon mm -hmm. with, and with my so plus one from the asset for it, and uh, two uh, from. So wait, let's do wording real quick. You called it an invisibility what? Oh, sorry, not a boon. I have an I have a stealth master skill mm -hmm. and a specific asset of true invisibility. So the boon, or sorry, not the the skill is a plus two, mm -hmm. and the asset is also a plus one. And what is this asset? Something in your past? What is what is it? Um, the fact so the the fact is that I am not just stealthy. It is the fact that I am a spirit that can actually go invisible. Okay. So with assets, um, how do the mechanics for assets work there? Uh, you have different types. And I guess this one is a trait. Like Rain also has an asset that's a trait, which is the werewolf trait. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you could also have like, um, I think uh, Errol has Drake as an asset, which is like a companion yeah. type asset. Then there's objects. Like, I guess you could have like a magical sword as an asset. And when you invoke them they do specific things like um 
Rain's asset would be like there's conditions, so there's assets that like are finite, so like bullets in a magazine, um, and then there's some that have conditions, so like Rain has to have time to transform into the werewolf form in order to use it, and then depending on asset, you gain a specific mechanic, like gain one free raise on a physical challenge roll for the the werewolf asset. Yeah. I mean, I think the way I was envisioning this was that the Stealth Master plus two, I can throw up my hood and blend into a crowd and get a plus two versus actually just turning invisible and having a plus three to the skill is how I saw it. But you tell me if that's not how this works. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at page 99 in the glossary and it says asset, a person placed thing or quality of the hero that is beneficial and has a mechanical effect on the game other than contributing to Trove. So you're asking for probably the same level of benefit that Drake gives. And what is it that Drake does again? Uh, he reduces the difficulty of an attack by one by okay. getting in their face or whatever. Yeah. So reducing the difficulty by one is about the level of benefit that an asset can give you. So yeah. And that's what I have was a, a an extra plus one mm-hmm. from the fact of going invisible. Yeah. So it's uh, you rolled a what? So I rolled a nine. Okay. Minus three is six. Plus your one for invisibility asset, plus your, what's your skill? Two for stealth master plus your is two. the skill. Okay. So you're back up to nine. Back up to nine. Yeah. Um, we have three I'm not advantages sure if left. Mischief applies here either. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, kind of, you're breaking stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah, there's, there's, I don't know. You, you, you tell me, DM, do, do, is, is this also mischief? There's a phrase called the ghost in the machine. I think this is mischief. You're a literal ghost in the machine. <laughs> okay, so a plus two more, so we're up to 11. Where does that leave us? Is that still failing? If you would like to receive a menace weight of two and a complication, you can succeed. Or you could roll some of your advantage, uh, turning those into boons. Is that the word? Yes. Boons. Um, are those advantage d6s or just or just a one? A d6. When you take an advantage off the table oh. and you turn it into a boon, you get a d6 for each one that you do. There are three on the table. Well, I'm going to roll one of those and get an add four. I mean, considering this is like very important, I wouldn't yes. mind if you take all of them. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'll roll. Well, let me see how many I need. I'll roll another one. Well, look at the that- categories. If you roll four, it would boost you from a nine um, to a... No, we were at, we were at 11. 11. Um, so 11 to 15, and then I also rolled a 6 for the second one, oh, which whoa, gets me chill. up to 21. Okay, so what would you get from a 15? What's the what's the difference? The difference I think between... I still take harm. Why don't you look at the table? Because I have to pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many screens up. Here it is. So you were at an 11, which, right? Which is that you succeed yes. with a complication. And the yes. question is, do you spend a second... Of your oh, third. I got up to 15. So 9 to 15 is yes, but not in the way you were expecting. Over 16 is just a yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you mind if so I So if I'm at 15... Oh, yeah, go for it. You can also spend one trove to add just a plus one, which would boost it from 15 to 16. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that. Yeah, that leaves two dice on the table. Perfect. In case we die and need some shields. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your trove at now? Uh, Four. Great. So did that bump you up to the greater than 16? 16 or yes. greater? Okay. Success! You have the option of spending a trove to add an advantage to the table to fill it back up because you consumed one. 
Yep, we'll do that. Down to three. All right. Three trove for Jack's player and three advantages on the table. Success. Mm -hmm. Describe what happens. All right. So I um, freeze up the internal mechanisms of the flamethrower and it suddenly stops working. Uh, Xavier Tin Man starts to shake it and reposition and move uh, the gun to look down inside. And as he lets go with his left hand of the um, the stock of the gun, I am going to quickly slide the uh, gold bangle onto his wrist where it sears with a red light and then <laughs> sinks down into the metal, fusing with it irrevocably. Holy cow! That is perfect fire magic. That is what Edith would have done. I mm-hmm. love it. Yeah. Um... I'm gonna. Can you like narrate? Can you reward people for good narrative in this game? Because I feel like that was really good narrative. You combined Edith's fire magic with Tin, Xavier Tin Man's metal form to to melt the metal together. I'm just gonna give you an extra trove because I like you. Take an extra trove. Aww. Good job. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, GM, did he notice anything? Oh heck yeah! His arm just seared. <laughs> yeah, he definitely notices. He screams out in pain. He's like, "What?" <laughs> and now Olaf who was talking condescendingly to Chibi. They both look at Tin Man. Tin Man's freaking out. Um, Xavier Tin Man is like, you know, rolling forward and backwards, reaching around, freaking out and saying, what did that, you know? And all he sees is this, like, honestly, he just sees a sear mark and and a gold bracelet now has been added to his arm and he does not know what the heck just happened. Yeah. Panic mm-hmm. is, is currently happening. <laughs> I gently float away. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Are these people doing anything? or Because it sounds like we just need to vamoose at this point. I mean, they said to, to get him, but it might be that we don't have to do we're that We're supposed yet. to get him right now? I thought we were supposed yeah, to... We're, we're, we're supposed to, like... Befriend him at some point, I guess. I'm st- I, I'm still concerned about these flamethrowers, though. How do we convince yeah, them to stop too. to stop melting the the ice? The question Ooh. is also why are they melting the ice? Because they don't have a wheat farm. <laughs> Wait, I have I have an idea. Um, I am going to I, so I float around to like be out of view, revisible myself. And then come running around the edge, throwing snowballs at the rock and say, let my friend go. (laughs) (laughs) Shock rock noises. (laughs) What is your desired outcome? Um, For my team to pick up the fact that I am intending to try to make friends here a little bit um, and get rain to drop Errol. Oh. Onto the s- soft, snowy ground. And and kind of picking up on this cue, I will ask Rain, I will say, uh, drop me on one of the flamethrowers. <laughs> like like okay. on their arms, to not knock it out of their arm. All right, so therefore this is a Jack-initiated Rain action. Rain, this is all about you and your feats of strength. Can you get Errol over onto that flamethrower? All right. So, method and outcome. Outcome? Toss Errol a designated location <laughs> without it looking wrong. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, this isn't a incoming halfling 
missile. This is uh, an innocent meat victim. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Method. Just like fly around weirdly, but pretend it hit hit me in the eye. Um, Be appalled. (laughs) Don't want to spend that much like, you know, birds. They don't want they don't want to spend like that much effort on something if it it doesn't work out because irritated. (laughs) Um, So I guess we're rolling just feats of strength because I don't really I mean, she is shape shifted, but yeah, add your shape shifted. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is again, just a normal difficulty. I think you can throw a halfling. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Oh, that's good. Um, I like that this game rewards you for being shape shifted. In yeah, some games, true. getting in and out of form is such a hassle that you're like, I don't want to roleplay my character. Like in this game, because you're shapeshifted, you get a bonus to your roles. It's encouraging you to be other forms. It's That's encouraging true. the story, the story, not punishing you for roleplaying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really enjoy the system so far. Actually, I didn't expect that, but it's really fun. Yeah, I'm um, surprised at how much I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, so that is a 19 with skills and everything. Nice. That is a success. If you would like... uh, Here, let me read that thing. What does it say? You have the option of spending one trove to add an advantage to the table if you would like. Yeah, let's do that. I still have two as shields. There would be four advantage on the table, I think. Great. And I still have two in case I get... (laughs) Mauled. <laughs> Describe what happens. Yeah, so she like flies around kind of weirdly, like doing like faster wing flaps and stuff, like squawks out, like she's been hit in the eye and like, uh, everything is terrible. I don't want this anymore. And then just tosses, <laughs> tosses Errol at the closest flamethrower and kind of like flies away with very... Um, unhappy rock noises. <laughs> uh, you GM- succeed so good. Oh, Choose whose flamethrower you hit, Chibi or Olaf's. Or is it Xavier's? Totally your choice. I mean, Xavier's is hopefully still broken, so I would say Olaf's because I don't. I think Chibi would hesitate before flamethrowing me people from what I've gathered. <laughs> Olaf would not. So, Olaf's. <laughs> okay. You hit it feet first, Errol, and you kick that flamethrower down the mountain. Nice. Don't you mean, uh, oh no, I've been hit that rock. I'm going to say, oh, I was, I'm so sorry. Oh, thank goodness the rock has dropped me. Yeah, and I'm going to come over and say, oh, thank you so much for catching my friend. I've been looking for him. <laughs> All right. Now, Olaf is, he's... A thousand years old and a lawyer is how I'm going to try to play this. I'm not going to, I don't, I've never been a lawyer, so I don't know the disdain that they have for common folk, (laughs) but I'm going to try it. So he's going to draw himself up because he had been humbled by his flamethrower being kicked away. So now he stands stiffly as, you know, almost it's easier for someone with a metal body to stand straight up. And for a flesh person. So he he stands with such a regalness to him that it's foreign to you. It's so perfectly straight. And he looks down at Errol with disgust. (laughs) I think, Errol, you have the chance to say something to him. It will affect how he responds. Uh, 
do I do I notice this disdain in his eyes? Would that be accurate to say that I can tell just by yeah. landing on him that the, he looks upon me? So in that case, uh, <clears throat> picking up on this, I would kneel before him and I would say, I am so sorry, my liege. Your, the water you're producing from these flamethrowers has awakened the rocks from their nests and they are attacking the populace. Ooh, your desired outcome is... I would like to convince them that this is like a real bad idea and they're going to get eaten by a rock if they keep it up. <laughs> and your method is rock attack. I love it. And Distant lying. rock noises. <laughs> and I'm using fast talking for this. Yeah. Really leaning into the role play. See, Trove is good. It, it makes you do what you're good at. All right. Oh, natural 20. <gasps> the first natural 20 of the game. It's an absolute triumph, an overwhelming success. Add one advantage to the table and gain trove equal to the difficulty of the challenge, which had been arduous. You gain three trove. Oh, wow. Holy cow. That is an overwhelming success. So what happened? Oh, my gosh, you guys, this is the end of the game. Because Olaf goes, those rocks, they... Mm. I guess he's faintly British when he gets disdainful. Um, <laughs> those rocks... <laughs> what a nuisance and he is going to turn to chibi and xavier and go we must tell them about the rocks we need to do this all in one go get all the glacier melted this is going to take more than these flamethrowers and he like gestures how it has gone off the hill (laughs) (laughs) back to headquarters come along xavier chibi and he just like doesn't even talk to you guys and he's going to uh walk towards a rock wall a ridge a black rock ridge and walk right into it and disappear chibi does the same thing um uh, she does check to make sure that errol's okay (laughs) are you okay yes yes oh Oh, thank you i'm so sorry about the rocks Yes, your your altering of the environment is is causing disrupting their natural habitat. Yeah, that doesn't sound good, does it? I, um, yeah, she looks pensive. Um, just to give you some background information, because she's from of Wedding Cakes and Giant Spiders, which is one of my favorite episodes, and the final replay, which you have to listen to before of Wedding Cakes and Giant Spiders, to make it make sense. But anyway, so the final replay, and she's a she's just dude, she's just a nail technician. <laughs> she just she just wants to live a good life and make a lot of money. And when she got her job as a secretary, the first thing she spent her money on was a giant cake that she took out to a parking lot and she and her friend Maeve just destroyed that cake and it was fun. It was good times. They wasted a bit of food and they had a food fight and it was just joyous and she's looking around at the not joy that's happening right now. <laughs> she's just like maybe my friends aren't great. <laughs> They pay really well, though. So it's a dilemma, isn't it? Hmm. And she's got that pensiveness going on, and I can't fully describe what's going on in her brain, but I will say that when Olaf goes, Chibi! She's like, oh, that's right. And she, like, follows him and walks into the rock wall, and she is gone. Xavier rolls his chair at the rock ridge in front of him, like a Hogwarts student running at platform nine and three quarters. But unlike those magical kids... His tank hits that rock wall and he bounces right off. He, it looks painful and he looks very surprised. Oh. <laughs> oh no. Also, there's two drakes now. 
Um, One of them might not be Drake. (laughs) (laughs) Jack is... Jack was planning on trying to ingratiate himself here anyways, so it doesn't quite fit. But Jack is going to try to go up to him and say, you know, I'm sorry about that rock wall. Um, I I was wondering if there's anything I could do for you guys for, you know, helping my friend here. It looks like your gun malfunctioned and burned your arm. Do you want me to fix that up for you? (laughs) And does, does Xavier offer up his arm? Um... One second. Before he does that, uh, I just hold on. Something I and he goes, Chibi, Olaf, help! The two pop their heads out of the rock wall, or no, yeah, and they look at him. And Chibi's like, "What's wrong?" And she turns to Olaf. He looks at Xavier. She takes a step towards him, and Olaf scornfully shouts, "Ah!" You're all useless. Leave him. Grabs her arm and drags her into the rock wall and they disappear. Ooh. Gone. Because a major theme of fire breathing kittens is that you guys help one another and the enemies don't. So now Xavier is totally alone. He It's not just like his flamethrower malfunction, his arm just burned, but there's there's more stress going on than just that. It's that he... I don't know if you've noticed, he's he's not handicapped, he has a tank, but he's on a mountain, and his arm is burned, and his friends just left him, and this is not going well, his flamethrower is broken, all of the, so this is the stress of what's going on in his brain, and so what were the exact words that you said? Um, I wondered if there was anything we could do to help, thank you for helping my friend, and I noticed that your arm got burned when your flamethrower malfunctioned, do you want me to help with that? State your desired outcome and your method. My desired outcome is to make him have positive feelings towards us and also make him think that the problem was the um, <laughs> the, the, the gun. Um, my, my desired method of doing this is just to pour a little bit of ice magic into that burn and cool that metal back down to a normal temperature. Ah, apply your ice magic skill and roll this challenge because it is made easier by his stress and confusion. So many things just happened. It's impossible that, yeah, it was definitely his flamethrower. That was it. That's why his arm got, you know, your brain wants you to make sense of the situation. So this is only an imposing challenge. Only a one gets subtracted from your d20. I mean, I rolled a 19, so (laughs) plus three is 22, minus one is 21, Okay. Intended success. I gain a trove, I think. I gain a trove, right? No. You can spend a trove to add an advantage to the table. Yes, I will do that. Okay. How many trove are you at? Um, I'm at three now. Okay. So you have how many advantages as you end this game? I didn't keep track of that. We're up to six, I think. (laughs) Nice. Okay. So I like that this game encourages you to play it. Like, you feel good for having played it. It's not like you feel like you're expending something that you've lost forever. It's like, it's a good thing to play this game. All right, good. And as Xavier looks at you, as you succeed, he goes, they left me. And you're healing his arm. You're cooling the burn. Uh, And as you cool it, do you disguise that it was a bracelet? If I can. Yeah. It's a bit molten. You can blow it around. Okay. So he doesn't know he has a bracelet on. He thinks it's a burn scar from his flamethrower blowing up. Mm-hmm. I, I'll Can approach. Rain? I'm sorry. 
can Rain do another therapy animal act <laughs> as a yes. duck? He's got a helpful duck on his lap. And Arrow, what were you saying? Uh, I would offer some licorice and and just be like, um, we can we can help you. We were just in the area anyway, and you saved my life. Now, Edith earlier had taken that licorice and chewed on it. Xavier is made out of metal, and you find a cultural dis- distinct. Like, there's a bit of, what's it called, culture clash? Yes. Like, uh, as he looks at that licorice, and he doesn't eat, and he looks at you, and you can feel that, if like in an Otome game, where you have to gradually increase your points with the targets to make them fall in love with you, you're starting out at zero with this guy, my friend, because that falls flat. He doesn't, he takes the licorice, right? Mm-hmm. And he holds it. <laughs> duck can eat it and then pretend to be happy. <laughs> the duck eats this poisonous treat. And Don't worry about licorice. it, it's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that is where I'm going to leave you guys. You have acquired one Xavier Tin Man who he can't go home with his friends. I guess he goes home with you guys. He's going to bebop around the Fire Breathing Kittens Guild um, for a little bit. But he's very much the enemy, right? Uh, and he's he just can't go home. <laughs> Whoopsie. One, Will one, he help one you? step at a time. Will he stab you in the back? Will he do what he can to bring down the Fire Breathing Kittens? Will he change his mind and help you guys save the world? That's up to you in future adventures, because for now, he says, what do I do with this? Looking at the licorice. Um, the dog eats it. <laughs> All And then makes happy quacking noises. <laughs> it's a duck treat. <laughs> <laughs> he awkwardly pets the duck, and he says, "Where? where is this mountain? Having teleported here. Where am I? Duck noise. <laughs> informative duck noise <laughs> you're a ways out do you want to just do you want to come back to nikamoy with us sure approving duck noise <laughs> <laughs> and joining us this time were jack that was fun errol yay we saved the day and rain episode ending duck noise <laughs> <laughs> goodbye bye goodbye <laughs> Have you heard of solutions from the multiverse? This podcast features new unheard of solutions to the world's biggest problems delivered to your ears weekly. Also, jokes. Hosts Adam Bross and Scott Maupin meet up each week. Adam brings a new idea to help the world, and Scott picks and prods at it with jokes and questions. The result is an informative and entertaining podcast that always gets you thinking. Here are some recent episode titles. Weapons of Minimal Destruction. Falling Sperm Counts and Memory Foam. National Service Year. And Bringing Banishment Back. The most recent review says, quote, Love the playful approach to discussing solutions interspersed with just the nerdiest references and jokes. Delightful. End quote. Check out Solutions from the Multiverse a podcast.